Hello? Hey, Rena. All right, Melinda, if you can... Melinda's dogs and or children ate her her microphone. So we're going to see if she can... I'm Skyping on my phone. Oh, P.S., your little anime character is is changed now. It's like you're growing up. Oh, that's nice. What are you talking about? This is the same one I had on the computer Skype, isn't it? Well, I've I've never noticed it before. It's very nice. Okay. It's prominent. You're prominently doing whatever you're doing in that picture. It looks like you have some type of water, water gun. Because it's Oh my god, hot. she just said water. What's wrong with water? Uh, well, I, it, it's How do you say it? You say that word. Water? That's so weird. You put a water. U, you put a U in it. <laughs> water. 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 <laughs> water. That's what it is. It's water. It's not water. Melinda, I'm not sure how you answered the phone if you're actually not here. This is this is interesting. This is Ryan and two others. This is Ryan and two Her others. Bitch. Sue is such a is such a podcaster. Sue's like, my mother's having difficulty breathing. I'm going to get medicine. Dot dot dot. I will be late. I'm like, Sue, just make sure <laughs> mom's breathing. <laughs> Don't worry about the, the Hunger Games. Will go on. Rina, you here? Rihanna. Oh my gosh, for a second I forgot what podcast this was because I, I was reading a fic in another screen and for a second I was like, oh, are we going to podcast on this fic? Who am I? Why am I here? It's been a while since Pottervic Weekly, but I forgot how stupid Harry can be. I actually, and how, been, how you can get angry at Harry when he's stupid. I fell off the um, the, like the Puffwa bandwagon for a while. Like when Puffwa season three ended, I kind of just like I took a break from the form. I took a break from everything. So I'm actually now just listening to season four of Pottervic Weekly. there. Can you hear me now? Hey, we can hear you. See, okay, this is what happened. Uh-huh. I'm having to use my phone. Yeah. And I have the program on and on my iPad. And so for some reason, it quit working on my phone, but it still showed that the call was ringing on my iPad. This is like brand new. <laughs> can you hear me? We have two Rinas with us this evening. You, you, you're kind of like going in and out. Is there a dog in the room? Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, thank God. Has anyone seen Can you hear him? A little bit, but it's, it's Puffwa. I mean, we've had dogs before. All right. I'm not sure how Melinda answered the phone if she can't hear us. Melinda, can you hear us? If you can hear us, type, clap. Probably yeah. she just clicked the answer button and because you stealth call, so she probably had to get her headset or something. I didn't stealth call. I said standby. Well, I, I stealth called a little bit. It's still stealth calling if you send a Skype message that says standby and then one second later you hit call. That's fair. Hold on. Melinda, you can, Melinda hear, us. can hear us. Melinda, unfortunately, dear, we can't hear you. Now we're going to go through the very complicated method of... Actually, Melinda, I have your phone number. I'm one of the few people in the fandom. Oh, I know you know. This is very exciting. This is how you know you've made it when you have Melinda Leo's digits in your phone. I thought you'd made it when you were... When what was it? Can you, can you hear me this way? <laughs> yes, but this is kind of like Apollo 11. Apollo 11. <laughs> I just unplugged the headphones and I'm just talking to the computer, but it's yeah, not clear. Yeah, we sound for at like a stadium like now riding. <laughs> If we were really bad, we would make that like the Hunger Games announcements. I hate to say we're very low tech. That might actually be it. How do I call a phone number? I've done this before. This new fancy one. Call and then you dial. No, which one's call? (laughs) There's like. Now I have. No, they completely. No, I. I 
a a call thing, and it's got a little number pad. You know, I had that. They I upgraded because all you people are like, "Oh, you're using the old version of this." I'm like, "Oh, let me get the new one." And now I don't know how to do anything. Toggle sidebar, toggle chat, Melinda call says- under the under okay. call drop down menu. Do I have a call drop down menu? Found the mute button. All right, that's the hang up. We're not going to hit that. Let's try this one. No, didn't like that Let's one. Let's just try this button. What does this button do? What does this button do? Send contacts. Hang up. Where the hell is? I have a phone, a friend. Oh, dial pad. Okay, there it is. Oh, it's the one with the little phone. Okay. Stop laughing at me, Melinda Lear. <laughs> oh my god, it actually makes, di- it makes dialing noises. This is so cool. Hello? Hi, I'm sorry. Please hold for Melinda Lear or someone with a very similar number. Hello? Hey, Melinda. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, can hear you great. Okay, hang on. Oh, can, hold on a second. This is going to be a problem. Melinda, you can hear me? I can hear you, yep. Can, is anyone else here? Ah. <laughs> hold on a second. P.S. I see on the screen uh, over P.S.'s name it says call on hold. Whoops. All right, how do we get you over there? I cannot. Leo says he's got a pair of headphones at his office, but it'll take me about 15 minutes yeah, around. Gonna, no, 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 no. There's got to be a way I can get you in here. This is all because I switched to the new one. All right, hang on. How do I merge you? Let me hang up on you, Melinda. I'll get you back in here. Hang on. Okay. All right, that was unfortunate how that worked. What I did was I got Melinda, but I put everyone else on hold. Well, we're back now. I hate this new damn thing. All right, add contact. If that's not it. Oh, I have an idea. Hang on. What is your idea? It's risky. Hold on. Hello? Hey, Melinda. I have an idea here. All right, we're going to add P.S. And we're going to add Rena. Hello? Hey. Hi. P.S., you there? Yes, I am. Say hi to Melinda. Hi, Melinda. Hi, P.S. Oh, thank God. I'm not a fan of of this new fancy system that we have over here. This is... This is a little too weird. Too 21st century. It's too 21st century. It's too 21st century. Let me just actually grab my Kindle and I'll be ready to go. I'm sure I'm the only one that does not have a book <laughs> because I used the library and it had to go back because it couldn't be renewed because somebody had hold placed. I reread the first one just over the past couple days just to remind myself because it's been so long since I read it. Yeah, I, I, I had I reread it, but I don't have the book. I've got Touching Fire that I think I'm going to start next now that I've reread Hunger Games, but somebody has borrowed my Mockingjay, so I'll have to wait for that one to come back anyway. <laughs> you sound like you're, like, in the back of a garbage truck. <laughs> Does it sound like loud or is yeah, you it sound, sound you, bad? You sound, it sounds fine. You sound fine. It's just when Wait, you're moving around. If you move, it makes it sound like you're in a, in the back of a garbage truck yes. with all the garbage, moving the garbage. But if you sound still, it's fine. I love how we just go with that. Like any of us know what it sounds okay. like to be in the back of a garbage truck. Like that's something that we do on a regular basis and we instantly recognize that sound. No. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else funny. No, I said it. I mean, we've, I know, I know you said I, the only oh, reason. Oh, I thought I you plagiarized me and pretended that. No, the only reason I didn't use a different metaphor was because I couldn't think of anything else. Is there a time delay, Rena? Say hi right now. Hi right now. Okay, that's okay. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was going to say, Rena has, I think it took her a while to respond to my earlier, like, a question I asked. Melinda, say hi right now. Hi. Okay, good. <laughs> <Because laughs> any other night where I pulled, like, the numbers of most downloaded episodes of Puffle and stuff, and it's hard to tell because sometimes, like, any little thing can really throw it off. But the most popular episodes of Perfect Weekly are randomly one of the In Blood Only episodes. 
um, randomly one of the um, Rebuilding Life episodes, and the episode that Melinda first came on the podcast as an author, and then the one when she came back, like, a year later, those ones were very highly rated, but the most downloaded episode we have is the first Cleo interview from Fofo Exchange. I must know why 98 is so popular. I, like, I, it has to be a mistake. Nothing. I mean, it's, it's be, kind of, yeah. I mean, I there's, it's not like it's bad, but it's, it's there's nothing, st- I mean, it's not especially funny or memorable or famous or with a famous in-joke or... Um, so we're just Sometimes saying, when more than one person talks at the same time, I have trouble hearing you. Well, luckily, we, we never usually have that problem. Oh, actually, Sue, <laughs> Sue just signed on, and that gives me plenty of time to figure out how the hell to add her to the call. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to leave it up to you guys how you want to do this. I know there's other podcasts out there that are already doing, like, the whole chapter-by-chapter thing. I don't know if we really have the strength for that. Um, (laughs) People want to seem to have, like, more than one of these. Well, we're us. I think we would have a unique take. (laughs) Not not, not saying I need to go chapter-by-chapter. I just think just because another podcast has covered it. Well, the thing that's funny is it's a husband and a wife, and the husband quit his job, and they're professional podcasters, and they have, like, something like 2,000 hours of podcasts, and they record. And they record like five podcasts a day and they do advertising or whatever to, to stay afloat. But mm-hmm. um, Sue, I turned on because they have a Hunger Games podcast and the husband and the wife, they'll read the chapter and then podcast and read the chapter, then podcast. And after one episode, they, um, they're they um, doing shout outs to the audience. and They'd like to thank their listener, Wayne. <laughs> it's our Wayne. Wayne Joy. <laughs> it's, our guy, it's our Wayne is out there. So it's kind of fun. So I'm like, oh my God, it gets around. And he hadn't he hadn't heard that yet. I told him about it, and he had. You told it. Wayne something Wayne didn't know. Wow, I did. Wow, that must have felt something, pretty damn good. Something about Wayne that he didn't know. It was even better. Oh my goodness! All right, uh, good luck with the episode order. The Poofle Exchange was our last best hope for on-topic conversation. We failed. third season it became something greater our last best hope for entertainment Welcome back to the Puffle Exchange. This is Ryan. I'm P.S. I'm Sue. I'm Melinda. This is Rena. Oh my god, we could literally not have had that come out better because Melinda is on a cell phone and Rena is three seconds behind us. So if there's a nuclear blast, Rena won't know for a bit. And there's a dog. <laughs> it's Rena's dog, but you know, the goat died, so we're going to let Rena keep the dog. So we are here tonight to talk about oh. Suzanne Collins. Smells like, <laughs> no. Rena, would you like to share something with the group? One. Two, three. Rena? 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 Euler? Euler? <laughs> oh, she's gone. Oh, my goodness. I'm just not calling her. Wherever the hell Rena is. All right. Some. Oh, P.S.? Oh, no, we've lost P.S. too. <laughs> 
do? How's mom? Uh, well, she's doing okay. I ran all the way out to get the meds, and they didn't get them yet, so I'm going to have to go back. So whenever you call me to say your mom's having trouble breathing, don't worry about the podcast. It's okay. <laughs> I know, but you have to know I'm not going to show up, so I just wanted to let you know. I technically don't need to know that. It's all right. P.S. Sure you, you, P.S. you back? I am back. Oh, Skype sound- crashed. The app crashed. You sound fantastic. Anyone, know where, the, anyone know where the hell Rinna is? Rinna. I wonder if it was like a global crash of Skype on well, I, iOS. I, I, I wish you it, jinxed it because you said if I, I wish I didn't <laughs> joke about the nuclear blast. Hold on, let me see if I can just call her cell phone. We'll get this thing going. I know it, guys. <laughs> Hi, Melinda. I it. Hi, Sue. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm on a telephone because the kids ruined my microphone on my headphones, so I'm kind of bummed. I don't blame you. She's also grounding the dog. I'm grounding them all. I I think that's fair. Are you listening to season four at all of the podcast? Is season four of Poofa at all? Because we sort of talked about you a whole lot last (laughs) episode. Oh, you did? Uh Yeah. We we were talking about naming pets. No, we were talking about naming naming pets. pets. (laughs) And all my Harry Potter pets. Yeah, and then we um, we added in Jules's Hedwig, which is Jules also has a cat. Hedwig. Well, Jules yes, has a cat. The, the she named name the dog Maggie before she knew she was having a fourth child. Because and then because she'd always wanted to name a daughter Maggie, but be- then she thought she wasn't having one, so they named the dog Maggie. Because then- she said we weren't going to have any more kids, and then as what happens, and then only Jules can put it this way: the condom <laughs> broke, and Maggie came <laughs> along, and yeah. Oh, poor Jules. So Please. she has a dog named Maggie and a daughter named Maggie? They she call does. the dog Aggie now. Can I tell my platform nine and three quarter story? Nope, because she said to just call her back, so I'm going to get her on right now. Oh, God, now we got to hang on. Now i got to call her cell. How do I do that? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, hold on. We're going to get through this, everybody. Add contact. You can tell Ryan hasn't podcasted in a while either. Ran phone. Okay, I don't want the country code for Afghanistan, United States. I thought it was uh, Australia that you oh, had. Crap, I lost them. Okay, um, sorry, my kid just came down the stairs saying, why doesn't his bed have any sheets on him? And that's because they're all in the dryer. I'm here. I'm putting the phone down for two seconds. Let me just put the sheets back on his bed. Yep. I'll be back. Believe it. When Melinda grounds her kids, she goes hardcore. <laughs> Add number. No sheets and... Yeah. Oh, that's how they want you to do this. That's stupid. Add people. Add Rena. Oh, come on. Don't do this to me. This is happening. Hold on. Did I just lose? Who? Hi. No, I... Wait, did we lose okay. Melinda? We may have lost Melinda. I think we lost Melinda. No. Hold on. Why no, I... Melinda's here. Uh, we have two phone numbers. No, Melinda but... put the phone down. She's not Melinda here, but the oh, no, phone but... is still connected. No, but for whatever reason, that's not... It just oh, dropped. yeah. I, now it says Ryan and two others. Ryan, are you here? Yeah. Okay, Ryan is here. Where the hell happened to Melinda? All right, hold on. <laughs> we can get through this. Um, <laughs> we have the technology. We have the technology. <laughs> this is funny. All right. <laughs> What's funny? I just can't figure out how to do this damn thing. All right, hold on. Melinda, how long do you think it takes to make a bed? A couple minutes. All right, so she should be getting ready right about now. Add contact. <laughs> Melinda. You're going to get a busy signal. United States of America. This is fine. I can deal with this. I'm so glad Microsoft just bought this damn company. Now all of a sudden I'm having difficulty making local phone calls. Five, eight, eight, four. <laughs> Rena, how are we doing? What? Rena? Yes. Hi. Hi. Turn your volume Hi, up. Hi, Rena. Turn my volume what? Up. I'm calling the phone of Melinda Leo. 
know, at this point, is Melinda that better? has... Yeah. I wonder what the, what the name of the phone of Melinda Leo is. Alright, now at this point, Melinda is making the bed for her kid. She's screaming at him for breaking the headset. The dog is barking and the phone is ringing. This is why Melinda Leo drinks a lot. Hello? Melinda Leo! <laughs> Hi. Hi. Sorry about that. When I called Rena, everything worked perfectly, except I hung up on you. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right. The, the sheets have changed now. The, the Bruins sheets and the Bruins coverlet and all the Bruins equipment is back on the bed. Well, so, my prediction uh, was at this moment, mm-hmm. Melinda is making her kid's bed. She's screaming at the kid. The kid's crying. She's yelling at the dog, and the phone is ringing. This is why Melinda Leo drinks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Quick head count. Melinda Leo's here. Rena. Yes, I'm here. Don't sound so upset. For great stretches tonight, <laughs> you weren't. Don't get any attitude, lady. And P.S. is laughing, and Sue is here, so we're ready to go. <laughs> and P.S. is still laughing. Oh, God, the P.S. is drunk. This is fun. Oh, my Little, little, little. Okay, I just I'm saw you. I'm Coke. I just saw you on uh, the forum tonight saying, should I bring booze to the podcast? I'm like, you're asking that question now. Now? I meant... <laughs> Well, she just said there was a drinking game. Well, this was actually interesting, because we've had Melinda Leo, who I've been mocking as a lush since episode 13, <laughs> Rinna in the final episode of Puffwatt, needs no introduction, Sue with her Mike's Hard Lemonade, and P.S. I'm like the designated driver. <laughs> you didn't say anything it. after P. You just said P.S. like that was everything. You yeah. explained about Sue, and you explained about Rinna. Well, there was we like didn't s- explain. We don't, you don't need any explanation. <laughs> you don't need you any like explanation. Just P.S. And everyone knows. No! Yes. I'm not so yes. good. <laughs> Alright, so everyone ready? Yes. Yes. Rena. Yes. Yeah, ready. <laughs> you don't speak unless spoken to. It's kind of funny. Alright. Alright, so um, do you want to just start again? That was so perfect the first time. It was so perfect the first time, and we're never going to get it right again. But let's try anyway. And welcome back to the Puffle Exchange. This is Ryan. This is P.S. I'm Sue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, that was Melinda and Rena. They're way in the back. I feel like I'm driving the minivan that is Puffle, and Melinda and Rena are way in the back with, like, a bottle of wine. You know what I mean? It's one of those kinds of nights. So we are here to discuss The Hunger Games by Suzanne All right, Rena, let's turn this into the party bus then. <laughs> All it's, right. It's not going to take very much, very much trying. Now, uh, you know, this, I'm going to have to. Well, on a side note, I'm going to actually have to come meet you now that I'm going to be living up there. Th- well, that I, yes, I, I would sh- like that. I should bring that up right now. This is Rena's final podcast as a Southerner because what's happened is I've been working with Jen for five years, and at some point, I'm like, no more. So instead of not talking to these wonderful people, I'm making them all move to New England. Now, <laughs> as a little welcome to the town bash, we've decided to have a run of tornado this week, just as like a little welcoming brigade to make uh, Rena feel at home. Uh, yeah, what is up with that? We don't have tornadoes here. What happened? Can I just say, Melinda, we've come far, far and wide. You know, years ago you made me snort near a campfire and now I'm like sending you a message, are you okay? Text me if you're alive. That was some storms last night. That was craziness. Well, the thing in New England is when you hear there's going to be snow, you're like, okay, there's going to be snow. When you hear it's going to rain, you know it's going to rain. When they say you're going to have some tornadoes, you're like, oh, that's like Yellowstone erupting, you crazy seismologist. And you don't pay attention to it. Then you're driving home. Yeah, that's and there's, exactly what's happened. There's a cow flying across the road. You're like, wow, I thought that was just a cliche from Twister. Apparently not. Ryan, a seismologist, studies earthquakes, I not know. tornadoes. Well, thank you, P.S. Now, the thing that P.S. Now, the thing which happens when, you know, a loved one such as myself is in 
Massachusetts and there's the tornadoes. Everyone sees Massachusetts and tornadoes on TV and they think Ryan's about to die. So they come online and they come on Facebook and they come on Skype and they send me their final messages because, of course, I have minutes to live and they need to you get it off their chest. And what I enjoy is that people want to send helpful information. Now, I'm you, trying to save your life. When you're in the South and there's a tornado, you can speak from experience and you can say, here's what to do. Like, I, Ren is online. I'm like, Ren, does this look, is this, is, I don't, is this bad? Is this, you know, if this were in Oklahoma, would this even make the news? Or is this like, you know, the world's worst tornado? It happens to be in Boston. Well, P.S. of Baltimore. She's from Baltimore, she's from been from Boston, and she once accidentally drove through Montreal on her way home. Get the map out, check that out. And she recently went to London for a week. So that so basically she's never been below Baltimore, is, is pretty much what we're saying about P.S. I have. P.S. decides to start sharing her wealth of tornado information. So she's like, Ryan, get in the southwest corner of your basement. That's what you do, right, Rita? Ryan, do you have a basement? Well, I, I have a basement. Yeah. But. Okay. Getting in the southwest corner really wouldn't help that much. You're supposed to stay away from walls and windows oh. or external <laughs> walls and windows. That, so oh, right being in the basement yeah. or the cellar, that is a good idea. But you want to be in like an internal, like if there's a closet or something that is not attached to any outside walls or windows. You want to get there. Yeah. Well, I was in the basement because I figured, you know, if the house fell on me, at least I'd be in the basement. But I, at that point, when I realized my house is about to be ripped up by a tornado, I'm not going to get my little compass out of my iPhone and find the southwest corner. In my luck, that would be where I keep the glass collection or something, and I would get killed <laughs> by shards of, of runaway glass. Flying glass. Flying glass <laughs> everywhere. So uh, we have, we have a fourth... wood-burning stove in our southwest corner, so that wouldn't be a good place to be. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure what the southwest corner is. Melinda, Bl- well, then she's like, well, my grandmother always used to say that. I'm like, I think she was humoring you, P.S. She wanted you to feel sick. No, that's that's legitimate something people say. It's not like I made it up. Well, I, I know that, but I, I, I'm not sure if that You're supposed to, what, what I have heard, oh, crap, here the dogs are barking, I'm sorry. If you're Jen, you throw everything in the bathtub, right? Yes. You jump in yes. on top of bathtub it? bathtub is a good place to be, or a shower, like if you have an enclosed shower stall, um, an enclosed shower stall would be a good place. But any any place that is not um, like under a stairwell in a closet. Um, so Harry would be totally safe. Harry would have survived the tornado. Yeah, the Harry would have totally survived Ooh, and, and not had any problems. Ooh, plot bunny. So you know, <laughs> tornado goes super the drive, and Harry's Did the they only have one that survived. In England? I didn't see any. Did they have tornadoes in Massachusetts. They didn't have tornadoes in New England up until yesterday. So what difference does it make? Anything's anything's possible. I want to tell my story. I want to tell the journey to platform nine and three quarters. All right, now, P.S. recently went to London. She was very, very afraid to leave until I told her you don't actually fly like across the ocean. You fly up to Greenland and then down. Oh, but we did. We did flew across the ocean well, on the way back. Yeah, it was absolutely across the ocean. Oh, so you flew straight across on the way back. You didn't fly mm-hmm. up like okay. Yeah, we came, like, right across the ocean and went ashore at New Jersey. And, well, on the way there, we flew, like, up the coast, like, up New yeah. England, over Canada, and that kind of stuff. But on the way back, we just flew across the ocean. would be horrible to be, like, trapped over water for a long period of time, and you think your life is over, and then you see land, and you're all excited. And the closer you get, you realize it's New Jersey. That would scare me just a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, right, New Jersey. So- so I went to platform nine and three quarters. I went to King's Cross Station. Uh-huh. So I take a train from King's Cross Station. Did and you run into the wall? 
No, because uh, it's platform nine and three quarters. They're remodeling the station, and it's like all covered in construction stuff, and it's not there. Aww. Oh no! But but they have moved it outside, so there is a wall outside of Kings Cross Station, like on the street. That's like you can take a picture of it. It's like a fake like placard that says platform nine and three quarters but it's just there on the street on the outside of the station because they're constructing the part of the station where it actually is well on my honeymoon i took a we took a tour of oxford because i wanted to see the great hall which obviously isn't the one from the movie but it's the basis for the great hall from the movies and it, there was an event that day so we didn't get to see the great hall i'm like when am i gonna come back like i want to see the great hall is i was so upset so i can imagine you fly all the way to london nope. and in I went to the the um the cafe that she um so like supposed to write the first book at. I thought it was a Chinese restaurant now. No, it's not a Chinese no, restaurant. It's a cafe. It's a cafe. Still? And, okay. I thought it was in Scotland, though. It is. That's where I went. You went to Scotland? Yes, I went to Scotland. You knew I went to Scotland. I did you? not know that you went to Scotland. Why would I know right. you went to Scotland? Well, you went because to Scotland. I mentioned that I'd been to Edinburgh. I wasn't really listening. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, anyway, I they have the view from like the window of the restaurant is right up to Edinburgh Castle, so you can imagine. I like you can imagine her sitting there and writing and being like looking at the castle and thinking about Hogwarts. P.S. Went to London. Rin is moving to New England. I didn't get hit by a tornado. Melinda Leo, what's new? I didn't get hit by a tornado either. There you go. We read the <laughs> Hunger Games. We read the Hunger Games. Now this entire damn thing, at least from my perspective, is Rin's fault. Because Rinna recommended the Hunger Games to me um, in, like, the Puffwa staff meeting a, f- a few months back. And I got the sample of it, I put it on my Kindle, and around that time was when the Game of Thrones podcasts were starting up, and everyone wanted me to read the Game of Thrones, and everyone said, Ryan's gonna love Game of Thrones, read Game of Thrones. So I read the first few chapters of Game of Thrones, and... There's like 27,000 characters, and it, there's brothers, sisters sleeping together, and that makes it easier to remember their brothers and sisters. So I was, I felt very overwhelmed by the story, and I, I, I think it's a story I like. I just wasn't really in the mood for it, so I kind of put it. Down. Have you been watching the series? You no, should try the series. I, I don't want to watch the series until I read the book. So I'm gonna give the. But you're not gonna read the book. I, I'm gonna give the book another try and just see if it's something that, that I'm more in the mood for. Sometimes it could be the best book in the world, and if you're not in the mood to read it, you're not gonna absorb it. Um, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. try that again, but. Um, I had the Hunger Games on my podcast, on my podcast, on my Kindle. So uh, one day I just wanted something to read on lunch. So I grabbed Hunger Games and I read the first 10 or 12 pages. And the first thing that jumped out at me was I'm one of those people that when I start a story, I want to absorb everything and I don't want to feel like I'm missing stuff. So if I'm forgetting who characters are or I'll constantly go back and reread just until I feel like I'm in the universe. I read the first 10 or 12 pages of Hunger Games once, and I absorbed everything. And I, I knew who people were, I knew who Gale was, and I knew who Katniss was, and I, I felt like I had a really good hold in the characters just in that first chapter. So that really appealed to me, the fact I just instantly connected with the story, because I was really struggling trying to get into Game of Thrones right before that. So I, um, I, I took a little bit of time off, then I went back, and I literally, I think I read the entire series in about 10 or 12 days, um, you know, after work and everything, and it, it it was fabulous. So Rena's the one who brought me into this. So Rena gets all the blame for that one. Yay, Rena! Yeah, yeah. I mean, and honestly, the, the way I got into the series was everybody was talking about this Mockingjay book that had come out. No, Mockingjay, 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 and I had absolutely never heard of it. And so I went. So this was like literally the day after Mockingjay was released. I went to the store and picked up the Hunger Games. And about four hours later, I went back and bought Mockingjay and, uh, or Catching Fire and Mockingjay. 
And then I have literally badgered everyone I know into reading these books just because no one had, and I wanted someone to talk about them with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I've, like, consistently badgered people. I, like... I made my mother, when I, when I drove up to Boston for my internship, my mother drove up with me, and I made her listen to them, to The Hunger Games on audiobook on the way up. And she actually bought Catching Fire to read on her plane when she came home. I, I just, I absolutely fell in love with the, with, this, this, with the feel of the story and with the, you know, the pacing was so incredible, and it was just such a good story. It really I is. agree. It's it, 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 good in a horrible way, it. though. Like, do you feel funny recommending it to people about how cool it is when it's really, you know, children yes. killing each other? You know, it's it, yes. it like, but it's really I an amazing explain, like, story. I try, yeah, I try not to even explain it too much to people because they look at me weird. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, my friend that I was trying, it's just like, well, it sounds very violent. I'm like, it is very violent, but it's, it, it, there's so much more to it than that, you know? Well, we recommend Harry Potter, and that's about 11-year-olds, you know, bonk controls over the head, you know, and double murders and all this stuff, you know, with 11, 12, 13. I mean, if you think but about it, this is sixth year, or cat is where it starts off. I mean, <laughs> it's sixth year, Harry killed Amanda. Didn't you remember? No, he did but I mean, that's pretty far along for Harry Potter, so I think we're kind of desensitized just a little bit to the fact that it's kids, but... The, the violence is, is very different than... Oh, I'll definitely give you that. I, I, think, I think if you needed a step stool to try and convince yourself why it's really okay, you could, you could use that, but... I was telling my mom about it because I was telling her about the different actors that are going to be in the movie. And I said, you're going to have to come see this movie with me. And she kind of looked at me and I explained a little bit about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, that sounds like something I'd really like to see. I'm the same no. way. I'm trying to get, I have a coworker of mine who she sits on the other side of the wall for me. And she's a couple of years older than me. And she's obsessed with Twilight. She has the Twilight soundtrack on all the time. She read the Twilight books like 16 times, never gone into Harry Potter, and then went back and read Twilight 16 more times. And I tried to get her into Hunger Games. And she's like, well, what's it about? And I, I gave like a one-line description. I'm like, oh, it's in, um, it's in the distant future. And it's about um, like a reality series kind of survivor game where kids... Um, fight to the death. And then I paused. I'm like, that sounds like the worst story in the history of mankind. It's actually good. <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like anything I would like. And even when Rinna recommended yeah, it to me, it didn't sound like anything I would like, but it actually is. It's very hard to talk it up, but, but all it takes is re- read the first chapter and you're hooked. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yes. It's, and we got Danielle to read it. Yeah, Danielle. We got Danielle to read it. And the one thing that she had said was, you know, it, I, she started, I think she was on Catching Fire. And she was on page, like, it was her day off. She was on page 30. And she read the whole book in, like, a day or whatever. Like, it, it went really fast. I read it in one sitting. I don't think I even stood up. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that people were saying was, well, it's a young adult book, and that's why you're able to go through it. And, you know, maybe that's why, if someone had said, maybe that's why you liked this better than Game of Thrones, because maybe it's a simpler read or less complex or whatever. And I don't think that's the case, because I read a young adult series right after I read Mockingjay. I started another young adult series, and I really had a hard time getting into it. So I, I appreciate the fact it's a young adult series, but I don't think that's particularly why it's such a quick read. I think it's just it's honestly just an incredibly good story, and I don't think yeah. it should well, be. I think, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Collins is a screenwriter by trade. You know, she wrote for television and for movies. And you can so tell that in her pacing. You know, it's just, in some cases, it reads exactly like how you would picture it in your head happening in the scene. You know, so curious to see how the movie, how closely it sticks. And, well, I I think it's great because she is actually the one who's writing the script. 
which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, she obviously, I mean, her pacing was so good, but a lot of stuff I think is going to translate really, really well. I think because she is so involved in writing the script, I'm very hopeful that it's going to stay fairly true to the story without changing too much. Well, I was even like reading the story one day and I'm laughing and I'm laughing like over and over, like every page I, I went to, I, I was laughing and my mother's like, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, it's a book about kids getting killed. <laughs> and so you sound like an idiot, but her, just her, her style is so good. Like I'm even like, I have like late into my run of reading Hunger Games, I discovered that on Kindle, you can highlight your favorite sections. So I highlighted like every other word of uh, Catching Fire and Mocking Jane. It annoyed the hell out of Danielle because it like blows it up on her screen whenever she re- read something I highlighted. But like this is from um, from Hunger Games. This is page 124. In District 12, looking old is something of an achievement since so many people die young early. You see an, ad- an elderly person, you want to congratulate them on their longevity. Ask the secret of their survival. A plump person is envied because they aren't scraping by like the majority of us. But here it is different. Wrinkles aren't desirable. A round belly isn't a sign of success. Like, how awesome is that? Like, that's just such a unique way of viewing the capital. Like, like there's no fat people here. Like, oh, yeah. if there are, it's because they, they eat too much crap or whatever. I mean, I just think that's, mm-hmm. it, it's just so, it's such a great, interesting take on things. And I think she captures that side of cat that just sees the world in such a fun, not fun, obviously not a fun way, but such a unique way that yeah. she feels real and, and it, it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel like something you probably get a lot from you know young adult novels. Right, right. right. You know, we're talking about her skill in this. We can start talking about this world that she has created, this Panem, which, you know, for a long time, I took that to be like Pan Am, like some kind of amalgamation of the North American continents, you know. And it's not until later in the series that we realize what that comes from. There have been disasters, there have been fires and famines, and there have been wars. And I know she mentions rising sea levels at one point. And and I'm curious to know, like, what does the map of Panem look like? I'm really curious to know. I know. I think that's probably my I main complaint of the yeah, series. I've, I've gone through it trying to figure out, all right, what do the different districts, like, we know the capital is the former Denver, but what, where, what yeah. like, just trying to guess where, where these former districts, what, what a- parts of them are... Are, are what parts of the country. If you go to the um, right. Hunger Games wiki page, there's a couple of fan-made maps based on information from the series and like where it could potentially be. There's one that had um, the capital in Washington State, which I think is too far because I think the U.S. No, it, the, it's, no I think it's, it's explicitly the Rockies. Yeah, in the Rockies. There is another one that does... In fact, one... I think it's explicitly Denver. Right. Or right. at it, least it Colorado. Denver. I, I, I reread that part. It's a formally called Denver. So it's, it's Oh, it does say Denver. formally called Denver? Yeah. I didn't think yeah, I think, yeah. I think the only I, explicit, the I think that was the only explicitly thing that District 12 is like Appalachia and that the capital was Denver and I got that 11 was south of 12 so I'm picturing like 11 is in the no, Midwest I'm guessing. No I'm picturing well, 11 see, like what, Georgia Alabama Mississippi. Florida that's what I thought because they kept talking about the orchards with all the fruit but, trees and so I was thinking that and it's also south you know, they've traveled south by train. But also, you know, how big are these districts? We already know yeah. they say that 11 is huge. But then the other thing is if there's encroaching seas, you know, right. we don't know so, where like, the boundaries of the country are. Right. Like, I always got Canada, this. Um, does this go down into Mexico? You know, we don't know 
what the map of like, the what is the tree like. one? Is it seven? Uh, uh, yeah, seven I would say four. seven I, is the I tree would, because I was picturing like the, Minnesota, Canada, you know, the woods, yeah. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Canada for seven. Well, and and four is fishing, so it has to be the coast. So I was thinking, yeah, I was picturing like, like California, California coast, or if California, California is not there anymore, like whatever's there. Yeah. yeah, like there's a map here that um, this is the, if you go to the um, if you just Google Hunger Hunger Games if, Wiki Panem, um, there's a map here. They have the capital in around Denver, and I actually just searched in. Denver doesn't show up anywhere. The word Denver doesn't show up anywhere in the stories. So, um, it, I but think it does it, say Rockies. I know it says it Rockies. It does say Rockies. It doesn't actually yeah. say Denver. And they have. If this, you look at the group chat, uh -huh. I posted a, a map as well. The other one I'm looking at, it has um, districts one and two. Yeah, I thought one and two supposed to be around the capital. Like two is around Kansas, one's around New Mexico. The capitals in you know, say Colorado. Um, six is in Texas. See, I figured. I figured that two had to, or one had to be like. The lower it had to still be up in the mountains because they talk about making luxury items. It is. It's in the so lower. I figured that was like the lower, the lower western Rockies, yep, and then two was in the upper eastern Rockies because they do the graphite mining there. Yeah, this place right. put two in Kansas. It put yeah four. two. Is, I don't think two is in Kansas. Yeah, four is around the Gulf. It does put thirteen in Florida. Um, twelve is in North Carolina. Thirteen is not. Thirteen is in no, like thirteen well, is in New, like New York, like yes. Maine. Let's just say thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. I thought thirteen would be in Florida too because I, I thought thirteen was New York. Where where District Twelve was, and they and at some point they had said District Thirteen that if you went through the woods. That's how they got to, because when they ran away from, well, we're getting later into Mockingjay, when they ran away from District 12, they all ended up, so it had to be somewhere close enough. That I thought it was north, like, to. just north of, like, I was picturing, like, I was picturing Pennsylvania, because, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean. This... I was thinking, because they kept saying that there was nothing past District 12, because that's where 13 used to be. And I was thinking just, you know, they had said, again, the what 13 was, was uh, graphite mining, mm -hmm. again. Which I was thinking, like around the Berkshires. Yeah, this you know, map. This is the map. New that, England, New York. If you uh, can see it, click on the map that that um, that Sue put in the group chat. Uh, this is a good one. It actually shows a slimmed down version of of the United States and Canada. Um, it puts the capital kind of on like the Utah Nevada. I would line. move the capital east a little bit. Yeah, it has one also in the Rockies, uh, three also in the Rockies, two. I think it puts in the wrong place. It has two too far yeah. over. It has two in the middle, mm -hmm. but it does have thirteen up in around the New England area. Twelve is kind of like North Carolina, South Carolina, um, Tennessee. I think twelve is smaller. Like I don't know. I was yeah. picturing twelve as being West Virginia. But you like, know what though? The thing they act mind... like it seems they act like it's a small they town. They act like out. she knows everyone in twelve. Well, no, they do say... Well, and they that, talk about the population. The entire population of District 12 is about 8,000 yes, people. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because 90% of the people died and like 800 are left. Um, yeah. So, so they definitely do um, They do size down the population there. I mean, it makes you wonder, too, if you know, they reference the fact that 12, I believe, is one of the smaller or not the smallest. Yeah, district, I think it's the smallest. But it still counts as a district, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. fact that it's not like a, like, an, like an offshoot, the fact that 12 is a district and has 8,000 people, People, makes you wonder does if, if a district has 50,000 is that like a really big district so then it makes, I, yeah I imagine that I don't think I mean this map shows like
like the districts touching each other. I don't think that's the way it is. I think you have. I don't think I would picture that most of the country no one lives in. I think you get past defensive a district and it is hundreds of miles to the next one. I think you're right because because also- because I mean, and this is getting mm-hmm. into the next one um, into um, catching fire a little bit. But when they take the train. And they talk about crossing into District 11. It's a long time from when they leave 12 to when they get to 11, when they cross the fence. And one of the references and, to, yeah, later on is the fact that there's a real, one of the realistic concerns about the Civil War is decimating the race to the point that, that humanity might become extinct. And there's no references to yes. any other countries. I mean, if you have millions of people, you, you don't think, oh God, we could annihilate ourselves. But if you have have only maybe 200,000 people in all of the districts in the capital, 200, 300,000 people, if that's your entire population, you don't want to go to war at any costs. You need to build up this population. And especially right. when, I don't know if it's ever referenced how many people are in the capital, but if you have a, if you have 10 starving districts in two reasonably all right districts and then the capital, you're not having seven or eight kids to a house unless you're Gail's mother because you can't afford, you know, you, you don't want the mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that you're going to not really have a growing population. You're going to have a stagnant population. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm thinking it's much, much smaller. I'm th- yeah, but I, I think... Um, but I think you're right. I think there's absolutely... Yeah. Th- I think, you know, it's, we're talking little settlements and we're talking little cities. Plus... Like, I know they... I mean, if, let's say, if 12 is the smallest at 8,000, then let's say maybe... Because they and they say eleven is the biggest. Because when they all yeah, assemble in the square, that. it implies that it's everyone. So you have a town. So, I mean, how many people can you fit in, like you know, a football stadium? Like, is it you know, like I'm, what is it? Everybody seems to be able to hear them. You know, they never like yeah. everybody well, can squeeze into the town square. Mm-hmm. They reference that um, in District Eleven, they can't fit everybody. So okay, because they were asking if there was a. a preliminary drawing of names of kids that went into the reaping ball because otherwise how would they know that the kid was there like the right kid was Mm -hmm. there Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing too, which which makes a little bit more sense if you think about this as maybe a population of say a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand or less, is that you know for District Twelve for kids to put their names in in the in the for the reaping, it, like if someone said we're going to take two kids from the city of Boston and we're going to and we're going to put them in the Hunger Games, you as a parent probably aren't sweating it because it's almost like winning the lottery odds. You know what I mean? If if there's so many children who are you know potentially to be chosen from here, you're going to be concerned, but you get the sense that parents are like very concerned because yeah. I think there's well, so even if few you, kids. I mean, let's see how many, like what would, what would be the percentage of population that's in for the reaping? I'm thinking uh, it's, it's 12, 3,000, 4,000. It's I'd, or, I'd say less than that. I'd say maybe a thousand kids, maybe less. I mean, there's 8,000 mm-hmm. people in 12 and, right. and you're picking 12 to 18 year olds. I'm thinking you've got a very small population because I don't think many families mm-hmm. have many kids. I mean, Pete is an right. only child. Cat is you know, one of two. I'm thinking Pete is of, not an only child. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But um, well, maybe not. Maybe the, maybe their family. Well, Pete is from a more well. I family. mean, when you have a society, like society. I mean, people die young, so the society is going to skew young. So I think most of the people are going to be under eighteen. I mean, most of the population. Does anyone or, else get the idea that we're doing what people did in the Harry Potter fandom for a long time and tried to figure out how many kids are in Hogwarts and from that large yeah. population? <laughs> if, you, if you look at like the developing world today, most of the population's under eighteen or under twenty-five. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I was speaking about with the details that you get stuck on. I was, like I said, I recently reread it, and then there was the story of Peter was saying that his father was in love with Katniss's mother, mm-hmm. but she chose uh, the minor instead. And I was thinking, but Peter has two older brothers. So the ages weren't working out. And I know it's a stupid little detail, I know, but it was bugging the heck out of me. Is this around the same time of doing the math for Haymitch's being in the other quarter? Well, the, um, so it's 25 years yeah, before. He, he and her mother was of the same, I mean, they were all the same age. Like her yeah. mother, I was doing some math. It was like her mother and Haymitch are the same age. Well, because no, Hamish is what 41, 40, 41, because he was in the um, quarter quell, and he could have been. He was what sixteen. He was. He was. Mm-hmm. Why am I getting fifteen? Is that from a fic? I, don't know. I think he's. I love Hamish. I, I think, think Hamish is fifty. No, he can't be that old. He twenty-five years I think ago. He's he around was, fifty. I'm guessing he's around fifty. Yeah. No, he the quarter quell was twenty-five years ago. Because we don't know what their date system are. Let's say the year of the seventy-fifth Hunger Games. Twenty-five years ago was the year of the fiftieth Hunger Games. He was say fifteen. That means he was born in the year of the thirty-fifth Hunger Games. So yeah, that you know, means, means he's. He, it means he's forty. Yeah, it means he's forty. It means he's forty. I mean, Wait, the, well, no. If the Hunger Games were twenty-five, if his games were twenty-five years ago from the next year's game, yeah, fifteen and twenty-five is forty. Forty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'm sorry. I was. That wrong. It's okay. Okay. People like and I'm listening to you for discussion of this. And we don't know. I mean, her mother. We don't know if they're they're exactly the same. But her mother was eligible for reaping that year. Right. So if he's forty, forty-one, I think he easily could have had older brothers. Because say, um, Peter's dad got married when he was eighteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that definitely works. Peter and Katniss would have been born in fifty-eight. You know, the year. The 58. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a long space of time. If, if he had been Katniss. in love with Katniss's mother and Katniss's mother chose her father, that would mean that, that it was before P- Peter's dad ended up meeting meeting or marrying his wife. Well, no, I mean, say... Yet, no, I think... Had, you know, say they fell in love, say they were the same age, say he loved her when she was 16. I mean, no one takes the the concept that cat was potentially pregnant is you know child rape or anything like that so you get the sense it's kind of like a little house in the prairie. yeah i mean it shocks no one i'm so, sure people right. people probably get married as soon as they age out of the reaping right so i'm thinking yes yeah, that would be my guess maybe he loves her yeah. when he's 16 and she's 16 then all of a sudden um you know she decides i'm picking mr everdeen and no he, names. Yeah, no names. And he moves on. Names. He moves on to the... We can call Katniss's mother Amanda. <laughs> yeah, and he, he moves on to the very... I, I don't know what to call Peter's mother, aside from she's a very handsome woman. I don't know. <laughs> you know very manly. You know, big hands. I don't know. And sorry, having kids within a couple of years, I think that could work out. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't know. It still seems fishy to me, but I can go with it. That was the one thing in Catching Fire. I always wanted to see his Peter's awful mother's reaction to Katniss when they got back we never got that. I really, I, there's I really. There's a lot would've... of things we never got. Yeah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. things we never got. And I think that's part. You know, it is. I feel like sometimes because this first-person narration, there's a lot of stuff I wish was focused on, but it wasn't focused on because Cat wasn't in the room. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Or and it, and it, it kind of bothered me in, in the later ones. I, I, you really needed a narrator. Just That's why I'm, I'm getting into into this fandom. I'm reading, starting to read a lot of fic, and a, there's some pretty good stuff. There's some pretty terrible stuff. I don't know if Hold now on, is wait, the time. Wait, 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 wait. I, I have to know. I have to know. P the Gale? No. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. I don't oh, even really oh, read it. Oh, do we have to do this again? I want to know what she reads! 
I don't read. I don't ship anything in this fandom. I don't even care. I just am interested in the the world, the universe. Good God! All right, all right. I'm, 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 I'm what sorry. I do not like. What I I will say this. I do not like about a lot of the fanfic that you find. They make up another. Oh, the freaking stupid! Submit your own tributes. I hate that. Yes, that, that is the stupidest. Crazy. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm out. I, I am out. I don't care. Do people not realize the concept of the like? People, there's like you go on there and there's like like I'll go on there right now and I'm willing to bet you that half of the ones are like the 300th Hunger Games. Yeah, wow. it's the stupidest thing in the world. Like I'll go yeah, on there right. Like, it's like the revolution failed, and now they're having to do this instead. And I have read one good AU that actually it started off there was no rule change, so Katniss had to kill Peta, and it was it's actually pretty good. It's about like like what would have happened the next year. Oh, that was like that. you know Katniss's year as a mentor. I love Peta. I asked, he had me at that toss bread at the very beginning. He was he's my favorite the whole way through. He had okay, you here at we have page one. Hello, page one of the Hunger Games yeah, he, on so fanfiction.net. When they were kids, that, that was it. He he had me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have we have uh, an AU where the tributes are Madge and Gale. We have the 150th Hunger Games. Right, we now, have the... I have to share with you. I, I do have to share with you. I said when I first started reading it that I clicked instantly with all the characters. It doesn't mean I'm good with names. So I read <laughs> the first chapter. And as you recall, the first chapter ended with, you know, the, the name being drawn, you know, in the reaping. And it wasn't it wasn't me. And the, and the name was Prim Everdeen. Now, I stopped for a day and then picked up with chapter two. For whatever reason, I got Prim and Madge confused for the first chapter. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my god, it's the mayor's daughter. It's going to be class warfare. It's somehow like they're going to offer, the mayor will offer Katniss food to take Madge's place or whatever. I thought it was going to be this entire class warfare thing. I'm like, oh, it's her sister. Yeah. <laughs> go on. Go on. <laughs> so I, I got Whoops. mildly confused. So Madge just kind of stuck out a little bit, probably more than she should have. The 223rd Hunger Games. I mean, what is wrong with these people? I mean, why don't they even just do the 12th or something? I mean, doing a number lower than 74 isn't that bad. Why must you go to, like, the the revolution veiled? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I, I, I can't make sense of people. I, I don't know. Back to the Hunger Games, the actual story. Yes. There was a story? Uh, there was a story. I, I guess the one thing that I kept thinking when I was reading this it is what kind of person would come up with the idea for the Hunger Games? I want to know their history. I want like I want like the like Panem Public School history book. Like I want to know how it got like this, and I want to know. Yeah. I mean, well, they tell the story at the beginning of somebody every game. Somebody whose own like, kid was killed. Attention. Somebody whose own kid was killed in the district uprising. Mm-hmm. It would have to be something like yeah. that. I mean, I mean, it's the it's the capital's way of keeping everyone in their place for trying to. Rebel. What's a better way to do it than to make them give up two of their children every year to go and kill each other? We're going to take your children. There's nothing you can do about it. We're going to have the children from other districts kill your children, so you'll never forgive those other districts. We're going to cause animosity. We're going to enjoy it, and we're going to turn you all against each other. Like, this is the Yankees and the Red Sox on acid. And force you to watch. And force you yeah, to watch. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to force, yeah, force you to watch every minute of it. And if we can, and if you're not watching it, we're going to come and make you watch it. And if we can make you angrier at the other tributes than you are at us, we win. Mm-hmm. And well, I understand, I understand the concept. 
But what my question is, like, I just, I wish I'd been a fly on the wall in that room, you know? Yeah. Why, what would make someone go there? You know, yes, maybe someone whose own child was killed, but, I mean, you would have to be a pretty vindictive son of a bitch to do well, something like that. Well, that's what bothered me very much at the end of Mockingjay, yes. when all these people who mm-hmm. know all that and went through all that, and they're still willing to do it, somebody else by having that final hug which wasn't even like against Snow and the the ones who came up with the whole thing it was against their children so yeah yeah, it could happen because they were all willing to do it well not all of them but but most of them were really to do it again and I just that 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 floored me when that happened I had trouble it almost felt like bad writing. It felt like there, I couldn't see Kat going through with that, having done it, tw- you know, one of the only people to do it twice. I had trouble mm-hmm. seeing Kat do that. And they're saying, you know, Snow has a granddaughter, let's send her in. And I had a lot of trouble with that from a story perspective. Yeah, I, 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 that. That, that really bugged me. Yeah, I, I didn't appreciate I, that. I, I agree. That was not, not it was, I, I thought was good. <laughs> It's doing something wrong to try to write something wrong, and that never works. And specifically, but, like, but I, someone who had to go through it and knows how wrong it was to hold things, and then to still to do it to somebody else, it just was like, no, then you haven't come anywhere. You haven't. Yeah. It, it just hasn't changed anything. It, it, oh, it was such a bummer. Well, they were going to have the tribute, the surviving tributes decide because then they could say people who have done it before even agree this is the right thing to do, and. I don't think I necessarily had a problem with them suggesting the idea. I had a problem with Kat and Hamish going for it. Because Hamish should be way mm-hmm. smarter than that. And Kat, I never, not even for Prim, I, I couldn't believe that she that she'd go ahead. I, I think the story in the uh, two of the last three chapters just started to unravel a little bit and then pulled back together at the end. But I, I had trouble with that too. I'm and- having a lot of difficulty with you keep calling her Kat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who Kat is. <laughs> well, she's cat to me. I will try and call her, uh, well, I don't want to call her Miss Everdeen, because Mrs. Everdeen, a.k.a. Amanda Greystone, shares that name, so. You, oh, you, you can't call, call her Katniss? Katniss. Does no one in the story name? call her cat? No, no so. one ever calls her cat. Peta? Right, hold no. on, no. getting out the candle. Hold on, hold on. Gail calls her Catnip. <laughs> Well, Peter is nothing yeah, new to us up here in New England because, like, the name Peter, P E T E R, that's Peter is the way we always say it. Holy crap! No one oh, calls yeah. her cat. Told you. <laughs> Only you, Ryan. But well, I guess I'm, I'm gonna call her thankful. cat. Just, I don't know why. We should be thankful that you at least know her name. That, that's true, and she's she's not mad. She's the other one. She is the other one. Prim. Well, yeah, not yeah, prim. Not prim. But the, the, prim has got a nickname because that's Primrose is her full name. Mm-hmm. She's cat to me. I don't know. I had very weird visuals too when I was reading it. For cat, I kept picturing Genevieve Cortez, who played the star role on Wildfire, and she was also in Flash Forward. She's thirty, so there's no way she could play <laughs> play Katniss. But I kept picturing her, and for whatever reason, Hamish. I know he's the wrong age. I'm picturing Craig T. Nelson in his role as Zeke Braverman from Parenthood. That was the only person I could picture. Please. See, okay, the person, honestly, the person uh, who I pictured for Haymitch mm-hmm. was like Jeff Bridges 10 years ago. Yeah. I wanted you, oh, Lori. I think I, nice. I, I pictured my Haymitch was vaguely Hugh Laurie-ish. Well, then I know the, that just, the, like, the I, I, other... for some reason in my head, it was, it was... Hamish was Jeff Bridges from like 10 years ago, but like the grizzly kind of, Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can see that. I can see that. Well, the problem is, I've been watching Cheers lately, but like older Cheers. So when they announced it was Woody Harrelson, I'm picturing him, thanks, Miss Chambers, like from third season Cheers, like 25 years ago. I'm like, Woody? 
what he's playing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have difficulty with that, but... Um, I, I just, I, I will admit to being very disappointed at, at the first, at first blush with Jennifer Lawrence playing Katniss. Um, but from the pictures I've seen from the set, I, I can she kind looks of great. see it now. Yeah, I that is, yeah, that is exactly how I pictured Katniss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did I a really good job with her, that. But even when they first cast her, even though she did, it didn't bother me at all so much that she didn't look what Katniss in my head looked like. It was the fact that she's a, a serious actress. You know, she's got the chops to play the role of Katniss. I was much happier with that than, than anything else. Like, Donald right, Sutherland. Donald Sutherland is Snow. I think is President perfect. Snow. Yes, perfect. Yes. Oh, that is awesome. Yes. And know who I have stuck when, in... when is this movie supposed to come out? Do we know that? Next. I mean, March 2013. It's either this Christmas or next year. I'm not sure. It's March. I, March I, I 23rd. Read, oh, March. Okay. Oh, and just... I read 2013. That's probably for Catching Fire. Well, it can come out whenever it wants. They should just film it before Prim is 30. But, um, yeah, cause they still have to film it and then do all the work that they do after. So I can't. Christmas seems awfully close. Oh, and God knows why yeah. I had this in my head. I know. Because here's the thing. Like, because Reno was very concerned that they were going to cast an actress who wasn't black for Rue because Rue is black. I missed that the first time I read it. She went back. She showed me where it said that. Now I believe it. I, you, you can describe characters to me. And I'll go, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Then I'll picture some completely different in my head as that character and that's who I get stuck with. Now, I have yeah, no I, did, I didn't have Rue as black in the, the first time I read it either because I she kept comparing her to Prim so I just, in my head, I saw her looking mm-hmm. like Prim. Now, no idea where I got this from, but in my head is Coin. The person I had in my head is Coin. Is is the is the British weakest link lady? You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> I have no <laughs> I idea why. That. <laughs> but even during that dramatic moment at the end of of Mockingjay, <laughs> I picture they're going goodbye and then going flopping over the like. It was, <laughs> Actually, I think who were you picturing the, her as? The uh, who is the host of the what weakest do you guys, link? What do you guys think about Finna? <sighs> That's I interesting. Love Finna. Oh yeah, why is it Lenny Kravitz? That's so random. It's like if they drew someone's name from a barrel. <laughs> you know, Wait, like know. who can we have cast? It's enough. Let's just honestly, draw a name honestly, from a hat. Pictured in my head Stanley Tucci twenty years ago as Cinna. But he's gonna be playing uh, and, Susan. I know Brown. when they said Stanley Tucci is involved, I was like, Oh Cinna, 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 Cinna. And then they're like, that's, No, yeah, he is Caesar Flickman. I so want to know more of Sinna's story. I so want, because he was already, like, he volunteered. What? Rena agrees with you. Very strongly. Passionately. Yeah. He already, like, he said he volunteered, but he wanted District 12. And he was already, had his own issues with the Capitol when we met Mm -hmm. him. And you just got that, even though Katniss didn't go into it too much, you, you, you definitely had that impression from him. I still want to know, and we never found out anything. You know, what this story is? you know what the story is? Do you remember in the months leading up to Deathly Hallows, before the book came out, we were talking about the role of fan fiction, and we said, we're ready to go. The minute this book comes out, the minute we finish it, we're going to be writing fan fiction. Melinda's going to bring Harry back to life, and we're going to fix this. <laughs> and we read it, and we're like, oh, that was good. Okay, we're done. <laughs> and like, well done, Joe. <laughs> this is the story that the minute it's done, we're like, all right, fan fiction authors, get your pens, because they... Well, because I think it, it definitely, there, there was another book in there. Yes. That she, it ended yeah, too quickly. It was like she, she, she announced it as a trilogy, and then mm-hmm. she had to wrap it all up, and it was, there could have been another book in there. Right. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Whereas Song of Ice and Fire was originally supposed to be a trilogy, and now it's going to be seven books. <laughs> Call me when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the other thing I did in my head, too, is until the end of Mockingjay, I have no idea why, but Claudius, Temple Smith, and Caesar Flickman, I had as one person in my head. So I have no idea how I Oh, yeah. It. Some of those things I kind of didn't. Like, Claudius Temple Smith is just a voice. Like, and, and I'm sorry. Know. Caesar Flickman. It's actually the voice of Dobby. <laughs> Hold on. It's the voice of Dobby. Dobby. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's not going to really use the. surprised me with the casting. This is the other thing that just really kind of surprised me. They cast someone to play Seneca Crane. Yeah. And we don't ever actually see Seneca Crane. And I don't even think, do we know that's his name until the second book? I bet um, they're really going to play up the, um, the I bet he, he's going to be in the room where she, the training room. I wouldn't be surprised or if they did that. Yeah. So they could, sorry, they could I, have, I have a, a character you recognize, you know, yeah. have it earlier, introduce him earlier. Well, what I suspect will happen is at the end of the movie, you will see his execution in some capacity. He will be in the movie and you will see him yeah. knocked off. In I, yeah, I was, I think this, well, and the, and the only reason that, I even that, know about it is because the guy who's playing him is from Arkansas. So all of the Arkansas press has been like, Arkansas native, cast him in Hunger Games. <laughs> 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 They'll just have somebody to focus on among the gamekeepers. Yeah, they've got to yeah. do so. Well, the thing I, w- we were talking earlier on the forum about this, and the thing with the, with the series is the tone of the, of the movies is going to be so important for how it is portrayed because it's so hard to take a first person narration story where a lot of it isn't fully explained and there's a lot of questions that the readers have and it's not is incredibly maybe descriptive and and it's going to be really interesting and they have, there's a lot of possibilities for the, for the director and and you know how the screenplay was written so I'm curious to see how they do it so I like the fact that maybe they're going to dramatically show Seneca Crane knocked off by snow at the end of the Hunger Games maybe they're going to do some different things. I wait, know. wait, Seneca Crane dies. If the if Seneca Crane dies, who's the guy in the second one that shows her the watch? That's um Plutarch. Plutarch. Okay, right. Plutarch. Okay, okay. Sorry, I just got them confused. Carry on. Well, we Danielle, Danielle was reading it. She's like, "Oh my god, he's showing her the watch. That watch will be important." And I completely forgot about the watch. But every page she turned, the watch is going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> she did a good job with that one. But, but um, what was I going to um? I think they're going to have to add, I would expect that there will be more control room stuff. I think you might see Haymitch during the games, like sending them stuff. I think you might see, now they haven't cast anybody else for him to talk to, which is, which is what, you know, threw a wrench in that, you know, thought, like if they had cast, what the hell's his name? Um, District 11 tribute. Yeah. Yeah. If Uh, they had cast him, Chaff. If they had cast Chaff, I would think, oh, they're going to show, like, you know, the mentors having conversations during the games, but... Well, it worked so well for the story because there was that claustrophobia. You don't know what's going on outside of the arena, but you have... Cat's very good at guessing, and, and and you can see Cat try and figure it all out. I'm wondering if even dramatically from a movie. I mean, there is so much point where there's no talking because Cat is just running around thinking. I mean, in a book, it's fine because she's thinking and there's words on the page. But in a movie, it would just be Jennifer Lawrence running silently. Yeah, it's going to be very yeah. interesting. And the other thing, of course, I wonder because I'm the the history geek is I want to know. Okay, is this five thousand years from now? Is this five hundred years from now? You know. I think she said 200 or 300. 
years? Was that, yeah, was from, that in the book or was that? No, I think that was something Suzanne Collins said in an interview. Yeah. Okay. Because that's interesting for me because obviously there's a way I want to see what Panem looks like. I want to see what the countryside looks like. Is it going to be geeky like we'll see the remains of New York City outside of District 13 or whatever? I mean, I want to know. I Yeah, I'm really curious to see like um, the train ride. Like, yeah. I mean, I have to assume that since Suzanne Collins is writing the screenplay that I would think if anything is added that it will be canon. It's not like they're going to add stuff willy-nilly. Yeah, and I want to also know, and this is a like, plot point that was picked up on by the other podcast, Google Hunger Games podcast, if you want to find it. I can't think of the, um, the name of the, the production company. But um, there's a reference to the fact that all of the old stadiums are preserved as like yes. um, historical. Yeah, attractions. And it's, when you think about that, okay, picture the United States, picture the United States and Canada and Mexico smaller because of the receding waters. You know, okay, this arena is really big in the 74th Hunger Games. So you've got 74 arenas all around the country. I mean, th- that's a, you're going to run out of space at some point. That, that, that's a massive, and this isn't going to go on. I would imagine, I mean, I think it's, well, like I said, I think the districts are fair, like smallish. Like I would say yeah. the fence is around where people live and you have like, like imagine the way we are now. Imagine if everybody lived in cities, like all close together and you put a fence around the cities and everything, everything else, like suburbs, countryside was, you know, nothing. Maybe. I think there's plenty of space. Maybe. Yeah, that's, that would have to be the thing because, yeah, it would have to be a much smaller population because that was one of the things if they hang on to these things. And then, you know, you can go around them and you can see where your favorite tributes were killed and whatnot and you can, like, relive it. I mean, because they don't reuse the arenas and it's not, like, one area that's continually redone. What I also wonder is, or another, like, about the universe is, are there other countries still? Is this the only country in the world? Yeah, they never mentioned anything about it. would be funny if they had, like, all their Hunger Games going over there. They're like, oh, you do that too? No, I wonder, I was wondering, A, I was wondering if, like, there's all this land no one's living on and it's the rest of the world. Like, could they be have some stadiums on other continents? Well, they always because no one's it's, there. It's it's implied. It's in Panem. Close by, maybe. Okay, I was just I was just throwing well, no, stuff they, out there. Well, they have to get the the medicine, and they have to get all the stuff to drop, yeah. and they have to get everything. What I done. also would wondered was whether I think it would be interesting if the other countries had remained somewhat stabilized. So you have like crazy Panem, and like the <laughs> other world, the other world is like more or less normal. I, I get the idea that we're like the last people left. We're the end mm-hmm. of humanity, and they've got, and this is where it's gonna. That was just what I got. That yeah. And yeah, I, the impression yeah. that I got from it is that they have hover planes, but they don't fly a lot of places. They take trains. So what it kind of it, it insinuated to me was like there was something wrong with the atmosphere. That's interesting. There's a reference. Either, there's a reference. Like the radiation was too hot. Like if the if something had happened, some kind of chemical warfare that you know had damaged the atmosphere somehow. It was referenced that a lot of the tech, because they have some pretty advanced technology in terms of the capital and the things that the capital is able to do and the medicines that they have and so forth. And the capital has, has, has very serious technology behind them, but also there's a reference to the fact that they have regular weapons, but not nuclear. And there's some things. It's, yeah, it's incredibly imbalanced. Like they have like yeah. this amazing healing technology, but they still run on coal. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, it, it, it's almost like whatever survived, you know, the, the incident, whatever survived the, the, the cataclysm, you know, if they hung on, like nuclear technology was lost, 
but, you know, maybe medical sciences that was relatively untouched, they were able to keep going with that. You know, mm-hmm. things are yeah. in Stone Age. And it, it's just, that's exactly it. It's so incredibly imbalanced, you know, the amount of technology well, my that they have. My impression was that there was nuclear technology, but it was lost, quotes, in District 13. Because District 13 was working with that when it yeah, well, there's uh, also, well, there's also the, re- maybe, well, no, I'm wondering too, because wasn't there the reference too that the reason 13 was allowed to survive was because we had nukes aimed at them and they had nukes right. aimed at us. So maybe, but maybe they don't have like, you know, multiple missiles or maybe they just have the remnants of missiles or whatnot. But yeah, there's definitely a reference in Mockingjay, the fact that there's a little technology left and that's it. Because yeah, mm-hmm. they have like, like, I, f- I feel like the, um, the hovercrafts, like they don't fly them to the capital initially. So like the train is the best mode of transportation mm-hmm. for this kind of travel but the hover the hovercraft is maybe it's short distances like they're flying them into the arena from like a base just outside well they have jets in but then jet. they had the hovercraft coming after like the avox girl right mm-hmm. and they had jets in mocking jet. i wonder how much of it is maybe they like have jets what did they use for the attack they have on, hover planes. was it the hover plane the, the hover same thing and also on the on District Eight in Mockingjay, that was hover planes as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they just. That's why. I mean, and that's that's what made me think that there was something wrong with the atmosphere, which could because... also isolate them from other countries. Like if they have no yeah. way to communicate overseas or travel overseas, they could not even know there's any more world out there. Yeah. And maybe they don't have. Satellites. That's true. Do they have satellites? Though? Do they have? Because I we feel don't like hear like, anything about that. Because they had the ability to track Katniss um, when they ripped the thing out of her arm. They have the ability to, the, the track her on her. But mm-hmm. I, th- that could be like, oh, I don't know. That could be like about. RFID technology. Yeah, I mean, they have that at out. the Walmart home office. <laughs> You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think it's I think a different. That, I mean, it's like, I mean, when you think about it, is they, is the, the tracker is to know if she leaves the arena or if she dies. The library knows if you leave without checking the book out. But they also, you know, it could be like that. But like she it, could have the library book thing in her arm, and know, like around the it, arena could be the two things you, you walk know, I through. I took it that they were going to be able to track her when she left, and they didn't want to. Oh yes, I thought I thought I it was agree so, with that. They, yeah. Or maybe hold them off, make it so they don't know if they took her, because they knew where thirteen was. So it's not like they're where. Where do you take her? They're going to know. She I mean, they know that if they left, they well, went to thirteen. But, I assumed it was just but, to get a head start. When they do the plastic surgery after the games, they took the tracker out. Right, they do because she was, right. She didn't have another one in. So they might not, not until later. It was when they were leaving and catching fire that they had to cut out their trackers so they could escape. Right. Right. But what I'm saying is her tracker from Hunger Games was already cut and cut out. Yep. They did. I think they, that the reason her up. that they don't have the hovercrafts for the tributes is part of the, you know, the whole putting down the districts. Why would we send a hovercraft to come and get you when we can put you on a train and make you travel this far? Yes, it's a brilliant train, and yes, you get all this wonderful food and stuff like that, but you're still having to travel the old-fashioned way, say. I think it's like it's just more of a put-down. It's more of that thumb, you know, the, the capital's got their thumb on them. And it's just, you know, more of a way to just kind of grind them down. And we well, lost PS. But when they send all the peacekeepers out to District 12 and, and catching fire, they send them by train. You know, when the capital people come to the districts, they come by train. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that's so that they can take the tributes back by train? I think, well, I think it's more about, you know, the hover planes are for military installations and, and for stuff mm-hmm. like the games. I think 
I don't think they have the capability of, of traveling those kinds of distances. Well, they yeah. also yeah. have to be able to haul all of the resources into the capital that, you know, the, the coal, like how do they get the coal? I mean, the, the railroad line, yeah, the railroad lines are supply. I mean, there's no like commercial travel, you know, I mean, right. you know, right. so the railroad well, lines are primarily like there's supply there's lines, no except twice a year they have tribute the trains. Yeah, because the district, the people in the districts are not allowed to go to each other's districts. So do you think, right. like, the train no. that they use to get the tributes from 12 to the Capitol for the games is, like, loaded down with coal the next week? To get, like, is it the yes. same? Yeah. I think it, they have, yeah. like, a couple of cars that are for the tributes because it's twice a year they do the tribute trains and then they don't use trains otherwise I'm for passenger transportation. It's for, for um you know, cargo yeah. to all the various mm-hmm. districts. Well, it's inter- what I do enjoy about it is I fear it's one of those things like where J.K. Rowling didn't keep in her head, you know, who the extra girls were in Harry's year in Gryffindor. It's one of those things where it's left open so fanfic authors can be like, now I wonder how the trains were. Jen would love this. I'm very glad to have this debate. I missed having, you know, after Harry Potter became, you know, after we got away from Harry Potter, I missed having this kind of discussion. I, just hope, I hope it holds together well. Because then the thing I'm thinking is, if it's only 300 years from now, even if there was you know a great deal, of, if there was nuclear warfare, whatever there was, you're going to see remnants of stuff. Like the Chrysler building should still be there in some capacity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're, there's no real reference to using specific technology that was left behind by us. So there's no real, you know what I mean? So it's I yeah. I the, wish there was more of that. Like I don't get the sense that the, the that snow lives in like the capital, like in like the governor's mansion of Colorado. I get the sense it's a building built for the president of Panem. So I get the mm-hmm. sense that it's so you don't get that sense reading the books that you know they're using anything left over. So I'm really curious if that's maybe not in fact the case. And maybe well, they do mention the mines. They mention the mines are deep because they were they've been used before. These are the same mines that they're using now. But yeah. you know, in the subsequent mm-hmm. hundreds of years, they've had to go deep. Right. Uh, you know, that's just a thing where I'm curious how they how they do it. So we'll see when the movie comes out. Belinda, I know we've been talking over you. Do you have what do you want to bring up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you 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 cover my points. Hey, Brenda, Melinda, is there any particular direction you want to take us in? Oh, I have. <laughs> Brenda, you still? I just want to make sure we're not talking over the people on the phones. Brenda, are you there? Brenda, still here? Uh <laughs> yeah. oh. Brenda, I want to talk about the capital people. You mean the, the green yeah, people the, and the pink people and the orange the, people? The, the, I can't wait to see how they all look. They're so bizarre. There, there was this when they're talking about Katniss was listening to the the prep team talk after the Hunger Games were over, and they're like, everything that they say is where they were when this happened and what happened there. And then it's like, no no connection whatsoever. It's like, yeah, while these people were dying, you know, it's just, it, it's just, the whole story is so bizarre in that way that I don't know why mm-hmm. I enjoyed it, but I did. <laughs> here, guys, give me one second here, because I actually just realized when my Skype credits are up below a certain number, it's just supposed to automatically buy more, and it's not. So I just need to manually do that. <laughs> just hang up on Melinda. I'd be like, insert five cents now. Well, here's something interesting I'd forgotten about, or I hadn't sort of hadn't internalized, is that the rebellion was sometime after the establishment of Panem. So you had, like, it doesn't even say or not implied how many years before the rebellions that caused the Hunger Games even was. So there is some point, I mean, we have now, and then we have the point from now until, like, the beginning of Panem, and then there's a point between the beginning of Panem and the beginning of Hunger Games. So I wonder how long that was. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and we don't get a lot of information about anything. Like, what? Why did the like? There was no Hunger Games then, so why did the district rebel? What else? Was yeah, going how on? could how could Panem? I mean, the how could the capital get this much power pre Hunger Games? Like, how could they live yeah, like that like, for an unspecified amount of time? Let them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh the the like that Snow. He's a creep. Right. Yes. He just uh he even just the description of him is scary. Yeah, and it just, well, like you were talking about the capital, Melinda, just the whole almost Roman kind of feel to it because yeah. it's, it's all deliberate. about the party. It's all about the, the um, how, you know, what can we get more, it, even yeah, to the point they're where... They're all very narcissistic. It, it's just, um, I, I, I don't know. I was, I was fascinated listening to the, the information about the capital. Like, what is wrong with these people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even to it the point where to been they're and vomiting so they can gorge some more. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, come on. But I mean, think about it. How different, I mean, really, how far would the American people have to go to get to that point? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the thing that Collins has said on several different occasions is that the idea from the story came from where she was watching television and flipping back and forth between some reality TV programming and footage of the Iraq war. Oh, I don't think, I think and we're there. <laughs> like we just at some point, had... I mean, at some point she couldn't really tell the difference. And so it's, it's not so much about, you know, uh, look at the way we watch stuff like shit, like the Jersey shore or those yeah. teen mom shows. I mean, my God, somebody needs to go in and take those kids away from those people. But no, we watch it for entertainment. I mean, it, it's just, yeah. it, it's, just a few things off the top of my head. Rena uh, was saying a couple of weeks ago there were tornadoes in Arkansas, and the news interrupted the last episode of Oprah to to cover the deadly tornadoes, and people were pissed off that they were missing Oprah when other people were mm-hmm. dying down the street. You know what I mean? I mean, we don't care yeah. that there's a war going on still after seven years, but we do care very much if our favorite TV show gets canceled. That gets us aggravated. I mean, we're kind of in that fat, lazy mentality now. I mean, we care for like a week and a half if there's like when the whole thing was going on in Darfur, people didn't really care because they never heard of Darfur before. And mm-hmm. so, people, so I think that if you mix in with that, the concept of a reality series, I think people are slowly going to accept it as long as it doesn't interfere with their livelihoods. And that's kind of unfortunately. Well, I think it's completely evidenced by, you know, the, the fix that we Rena and I hate where it's like, you know, people who are probably young kids writing these stories that are like, seems like they're missing the point of the story where they're just, they want to do another games, you know, tributes, tributes, you know, games and, you know, killing and. Yeah. Well, how many people do we see whenever there's, there's something that goes on in the middle East posting on news threads, just pave the whole place and turn it into a parking lot. Well, that's great from behind your computer, you know, kill however many millions of people, but that's, that's not something that we should ever consider doing. And like even last night when the tornadoes were going on, I was reading news articles and people were posting, ah, you know, you interrupted the Bruins, stop your whining, stop this, stop the other thing. Well, four people died last night. So, I mean, people just don't, People, I don't think people think this is something that we could plausibly become, but I think it is something. I think many of us have unfortunately become it. And um, I was even thinking, too, if you change the dynamic of the story, if you took the Hunger Games, because in the beginning it's all marching into, you know, galas and dresses, and it's, you know, the fashion police are out, and who, you know, Katniss, the girl who was on fire, and it's very, you can picture the theme music, you know, it's like the Olympics. (laughs) 
and you can picture, you know, like the talking heads and stuff. If you made this a game of paintball, and if you had like the like if you had like cameras on them at all times, and you made this not where these kids would be killed, but something where you could take a bunch of people, put them in the, like the Big Brother house, and watch them use their skills to try and best the others, I think this would get thirty million viewers a week on NBC. But mm-hmm. it's the fact yeah. that it's kids murdering kids that makes it horrible. But I think the concept itself is something that is very close to what we're doing now. But I think that if you turn that switch in people's brains and you say this isn't these aren't kids and they're not killing each other these are tributes from those districts that tried to kill your ancestors i think it's very 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 easy to enjoy it which is sad and i think that's what i was saying about how long that this society has been in operation i think it has to be a while because they've completely internalized this way of life there's you know i mean you have a few what i think is most interesting is i wonder about the people who the re, the the members of the rebellion from the capital how did that ever occur to them to do you know because you think you know all these people like it's very unusual to have you know somebody who is that against their society this is just you know the essence of the society I, I really wonder if, like, the last days of the first war, the dark days, or whatever they called it, was more, was basically, like, knuckle-dragging fights in the woods, and, you know, because if you think about it, the capital has technology, 13 had technology, the districts really didn't, so the capital was able to hold the districts in line with its technology. The districts were somehow able to nullify that, or try and take the technology away, or do whatever. I think the capital would punish them back by saying, well, you're so good without technology, let's see you all in the woods trying to kill each other, or something of that nature. Because, I, mm-hmm. like I mean, it was the direct, like, the first few Hunger Games would have been, like, directly the children of the rebellion, yeah. rebellers. Yeah, do, rebels. <laughs> this is how you people live, fight, and have your children die that way that you love, you know, I think it would be just very sadistic. But, uh, you know, I go back to Roman times again and the gladiators. Mm. It's basically the same, only we're using children now. And And also, I think it's directly meant to echo the the myth of Theseus and the labyrinth where you have... um, It was, Athens was supposed to give, I think it was 12, 12 12 boys and 12 girls to feed the Minotaur. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like because the district's buy into the legitimacy of it. I mean, obviously the people don't want to send their kids. Obviously the people in the districts don't enjoy watching it unless you're in District 1 or District 2. But because the districts don't question it, because they're afraid to, it adds legitimacy to the fact that this is the way things are and it probably helps the people from the capital enjoy it more because, hey, they're not arguing. Why should we argue? One of those kinds of deals. But um, I always wonder how that happened. They're just focused more on day-to-day surviving, getting through getting through life. You know, in, in a couple of times she says, you know, I don't understand what the point is. I don't understand why you should be so upset because it's, there's, it doesn't put food on the table. And the one thing I loved about this first book reading, like I'm a big, obviously Star Trek fan. And when you read a story like this, where there's an injustice and there's like this political entity, the capital that's subjugating people, you want to see the hero say, I will stand up to this and no more. There will never be a 75th Hunger Games. And you want to see that, or you expect that, you know, rebellion and, and let's have all these tributes stand together and lock arms and no more. And if we fight the people, you know, something big and glowing like that. And it, 
doesn't happen in Hunger Games. And Kat is you. She's being political and she's manipulating the people and manipulating the sponsors and, and doing all those things. But she's doing it to survive to get home to Prim. And I mm-hmm. like that because it's it doesn't make it. You know, like one person just instantly thinks to themselves, oh, I'll just change the world now. I like the fact that she plays the game because she wants to get home. And by playing the game, she plays into the capital's hands because they want the tributes to play the game and legitimize the game. And it's not, and she doesn't try and, and, you know, cause a scene or whatever at the end. If they kept their bargain and they just let her and Peter go, none of the final two books would have even happened. Right, right. I mean, the capital shoots itself in the foot by pushing too hard. But I love the fact in the series that Kat is willing to just let it go. Even into the beginning of Mockingjay, she's, I'm sorry, in the beginning of Catching Fire, she's willing to work with Snow. You, know, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't shoot at me, I don't shoot at you. She's willing to do that. And I like yeah. that because that's what an ordinary person probably would do. Just leave me be and I'll leave you be. It's, I, I love the, the fact that the capital, in essence, hung, hangs itself. Yeah, and she, you know, from what I remember, she wasn't expecting to live at all. Um, you know, she I don't think she ever really took into account that she had all these skills that she had gotten because she was a hunter and everything. Yeah, and she was basically, right, she was basically thinking, okay, I'm going in and I'm going to die. I don't want to die. I really want to get home to Prim. But there's no way I'm going to survive this. And then once she was kind of in there and she started going, and I would say mostly once she got the quiver and the arrows, she's like, wait a minute, I can win this. I can do this. And that's when it, things kind of started to change. But like you said, Ryan, it's it was the capital pushing. Right. And it was them manipulating, you know, oh, let's make this a love story. Okay, if two people from the same district are the last two standing, they can both live wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and then changing their mind at the last minute, which you know they plan on doing from the time that they decided they were going to do yeah, this. Did you, did, you, did you buy into it when you first read that, or did you know that the Capitol was up to something? Oh, no, they were up to something from the minute that they started it. It was just, okay, what can we do to make this more exciting? Well, I, don't, I always, it's the thing, again, when you pick up a young adult novel, like the one I read after this, like it, it, it has the very stereotypical hero and the very stereotypical characters in this other series. I swear to God, I was telling Melinda, I swear to God, it, it, it was written by a Harry Potter fan because it involves the main character is a guy with a hero complex. You have his best friend, who's the guy who doesn't isn't sure if he can be trusted, and he kind of betrays his his best friend accidentally. And there's the smart girl with the funny sounding name. So it's literally it's like Harry. Potter. What book is this? I'll, it's um a book called um it's a series uh, Gone, Gone by Michael Green. I, I actually went out and bought it after you said it, so I haven't started it yet, but it's upstairs. Yeah, and the, <laughs> it's 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 a. I'm curious what you think. And by the end of the first one, there's all there's almost a moment where it goes stereotypical young adult and you almost have a character saying I look forward to our next encounter <laughs> like, you know I mean like it's like it just seems a little forced at parts I was afraid they were going to do that in Hunger Games which is why when they said we'll allow um, you know any two tributes from the same district to survive I thought okay that's Suzanne Collins's escape hatch that's how she's going to get because she doesn't want to kill Peter she can't kill Cat, so she's going to let them both move on to the next book so I was mm-hmm. I was very pleased that that wasn't what she was doing with it, but that was I think my fear going through it. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. I, it's, I mean, I I think I said when I had first finished it, like there's a couple of this is the kind of 
thing where it's like some things are predictable, but I don't really mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, I never thought that the that the um, blueberries was going to be a thing. I thought, you know, I love the fact that it was dropped in there when um, can't think of the name of the tribute who eats the blueberries and Fox dies. Foxface. Foxface. Foxface Fox dies. You know, and then the blueberries come back, and oh, that's creative. Cat found a little way to, to save PETA. I thought it would be dropped after that, mm-hmm. but it, it's not. And I was very, I was surprised by that. I like stories that can surprise me. I like thinking to myself, "Mwahaha!" Wasn't that an interesting escape hatch? And have it actually be like the, the focus of the sequel. So I, th- I thought that was cool. We talked a little bit about the capital, but should we talk a little bit about the game? I mean. The concept of having this game where these game makers have created an arena and you don't know what's going to happen and they have all of these, you know, things at their fingertips like, okay, we're bored, nobody's died, so what can we do? Oh, I know, let's have an earthquake or let's make the volcano blow up or, you know... Let's Save throw fire, fire at get, people. Get them, in the, get them into the arena together so, so we can make something happen. You know what it reminds mm-hmm. me of? It, I watched the first season of Big Brother when it was on the air. I think they're on, what, like the 12th now or whatever. When the mm-hmm. first season was on the air, what happened was whoever the people in the house were, I remember they really liked each other. And they were supposed to be like mortal enemies or whatever. They actually like bonded and they, they, they took on this like family unit. And one, the family of one of the guys in the house um, orchestrated this massive phone-in campaign to get, like, his friend or whatever, the most popular housemate off the show, because then that would make their guy the, the most now the most popular. And it was this whole thing, and the, the housemates hated what was happening, and they hated that CBS was trying to divide them. So I remember the game makers, you know, at CBS said, well, we're going to do this thing. We're going to let this the housemates vote one each other out and we're going to put this new person on the show and they picked this this woman who was very very divisive and we're going to get her in the house and it's going to you know the ratings will go up and people will love the show again and they refused to turn on each other and they refused to vote the woman in and they did all this it just reminded me of that where the game makers are, are desperately trying to change the dynamic of what's going on and maybe not being able to do it so I, I thought that was interesting. It's like if the people don't cooperate, we're gonna you know blow half of you up in an earthquake or, or Yellowstone will erupt or something. I thought that was mm-hmm. interesting that they had that ability to hit a button because <laughs> what happens if it doesn't work? Yeah, right. And exactly. Do we think like- that this was a real place? Did they go to some mountainous place with a lake and say, okay, this is going to be our arena, and then put a force field around it? Yeah. Or did they just? have an arena with a force field and make See, here's the thing though and, and and again this is getting into the next book but they you know when when in the next arena we see it has a pink sky yeah it's completely and, engineered i think yeah and and that one we can all kind of agree was completely engineered so how much of it how much of each of the arenas is unique, how much of it is, uh, we'll just plunk it down here so we can include this natural terrain, and how much of it is, well, we want to see this and this and this. Right. Yeah. Okay, so this is that- another thing, this might be thick, is the underground arena real or a fic? Oh, God, we're at that phase. Was this in the book of the fic? Um, I, mean, like- I don't believe that's real. Okay. 
Well, no, they rise up through the ground. They rise up. No, I know that. I, this must have been a fic then. Whereas the arena was underground, like caves underground. Yeah, that had to have been a fic. Gumber at that stage. Did I read this? Was this in canon? Um, <laughs> but yeah. what we know is that each of the arenas is left and becomes almost a historical site. And you can go in vacation there if you want. Oh, so it's not like they use the same arena each time yeah. and just change what's inside of it. How much do you think they could get for Peter and Kat's cave? Probably quite a bit. You know, it can be a bed and breakfast and you can exactly. pay money for it at night. <laughs> oh my god, the tree with the, um, not the bumblebees, what are they called? Tracker jackers? Tracker jackers? Tracker jackers. You can sleep in Rue's tree. Um... I got the sense it was a real place and that there were force fields and that, you know, uh, what's his face up there? Um, Snow? Uh, no, Crane. Uh, Crane. Cra- uh, what's his first name? Crane? The- Seneca Crane? The- I keep thinking it's Sen- Senator Crane, don't you? It's like Seneca Crane. Um, I got the sense that Seneca Crane could hit a button and they would just, like, light half of it on fire. Maybe that yeah. was basically- I think, Which is interesting because they have the technology to do that. Yeah, but they can't, like, they don't have 747s, but um, there's no Air Force. Well, they don't need 747s. I think Rina is exactly right there, that I think whatever has happened to this country, it's basically what they need and can use. Because if you, if you, like, don't have to or can't fly overseas, you don't need a jumbo jet. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, too, it's interesting the world. There's no there's no other country, so you have no foreign policy. You've got your, your one city, you've got the capital. And you've got 12 districts supplying the capital with crap and Game Boys and Playstations. And you're basically, you're in a holding pattern. The, there's no, you know, you're not going to college. There's not, there's no universities, except maybe for the people in the capital. What do you do with your life? You know, there's not, a, what do these people do all the time? They focus on these games. These games mm-hmm. aren't just a way of humiliating the districts. I think, you know, you see all of the game makers and you see all of the, 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 the teams and, and you all these people. Well, like, talking, I would imagine the people in the capital have normal lives. Like, do you don't think, do you think like, you know, if we lived in the capital, we would like go to work and, you know, watch TV, like regular TV shows. And like, in addition to the games, you know, well, do you sense, think I get the sense that there's, there's not like when you have 300 million people living in the country, there's three, there's, you need to have jobs for all these people to do. Some, pe- some people are writers, some people are actors, some people are doctors, some people invent spaceships, so now we can like all go and watch the spaceships, then we need people to you know, interpret the data the spaceships bring back. I mean, the, mo- the less and less people you have, the less and less stuff is available for you to do. So yeah, I think, that makes sense. So I think if, if you're, you're focusing, I think, your economy around these games. I think that the Hunger Games are, are at the center of everything. It's what, this is your Super Bowl, this is your politics, this is your foreign policy, this is, these games are everything, which I think is, right. is an interesting idea. So what happens if you take those games away? You know, mm-hmm. to, to go on to the earlier question. That, that's just something that just occurred to me. I'm just thinking of how everyone stops and watches these games. Oh, and by the right. way, Caesar Flickman in my head, Regis Philbin. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Dick Clark. <laughs> Who wants to be a millionaire? No, every time like Caesar Flickman would be like, and now let's bring Peter out. I was picturing the music on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire when they like, go the next round or whatever they ask the question. So I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, I'm, you've got me now picturing Regis with green and blue yes, hair. That's, that's what I was doing. <laughs> that's what I was doing. I was picturing him with the green hair. No, oh, that's funny. 
What I think is interesting is that I wanted to bring up and discuss is that this, you know, game system can support the, the career districts. You know, so you have these um, kids that, like, volunteer and, you know, that they're they're groomed for these a couple of districts. I think it's, like, one, two, and four. Three. Yeah, they're but wasn't to, four. to basically yeah. go in the games. Well, you, yeah. ha- you have to think in Districts 1 and 2, the parents aren't really concerned about their kids being called off to the games because there's always going to be a career or someone who wants to go. That's true. That's, I never thought of that. But the other but, thing you know, is, yeah. yeah, but when you get down to, say, like, District 12, it makes sense it's so small and there's only, like, you know, maybe 8,000 people total. Because you have to imagine, if, say, if it's, like, the state of Massachusetts, 6 million people, you know, if any, there's going to be at least one guy who will take the, well, that's the question. Can a four-year-old take the place of a 15-year-old? Like, if, could Mrs. Everdeen? No. No. no, it has. It has. No, they have to be, to be twelve to, to eighteen. So you have to wonder. District eleven. There's not one. Okay, you, you can having kids at sixteen is no problem. You know, at eighteen, you're like an old man. You know, if you're fat, you're the most popular guy in the community because you eat a lot. I mean, you mean to tell me that in District eleven, there wasn't one eighteen-year-old kid who would have taken Rue's place? No, I think that was supposed no, to tell you something. Because, well, I mean, well, basically, it's volunteering to die, to willingly die. Nobody yes. is going to want to do that. Because there's a chance that the careers will live because they know what they're doing. I mean, eleven has no training program in place. I mean, I'm sure that eleven doesn't have as has like as few. I mean, about as few victors as twelve. So I imagine that you know nobody from eleven is going to volunteer. If you're eighteen and eleven, and it's your last reaping, then you're just relieved that it's done. No, I understand that. What mm-hmm. I mean to say is, you know, like yesterday in the tornado, a mother threw herself on top of her fifteen-year-old daughter when the tornado ripped the house apart. The mother gave her life for her child. You know, if you see an eleven-year-old kid about to get hit by a school bus, you're going to be tempted to run and throw your body in front of that school bus to save the kid. What I meant was, if you have a very large population, there's going to be at least one guy who's going to take the, the hit for that 12-year-old girl to save her, just to do you know the gentlemanly thing or whatever. But well, as you have smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller groups, less likely that's going to happen. So it actually does support the premise that we're dealing with a much smaller area. Mm-hmm. Kind of oh, I think, I think that this is, I mean, I, I mentioned to Sue earlier that it reminded me of Sora Nooto, which is a show that we have watched, which is um, the end of humanity. It's like, basically, this is, mankind is facing extinction. Like, this is how society is, mm. like, in the last days. And it's it's sort of similar in a couple of ways in that they have, you know, technology from old times but they don't really know how to use it and um, i would like to cover it on the puffle exchange <laughs> but um <laughs> i feel that like it must be the same way in panem i mean the these must be the last people left i think you know i mean people probably know this they know that you know yeah i just the have species to, is going extinct i have to i just have to think that if you have that large of a group you're, you're going to see a, a cute little 12-year-old or 10-year-old get yanked for this, and there's not going to be one person that would raise their hand. That's, I think you're right. Maybe you know people are grateful to not have to go, but it's like saying there's not one person who would take a bullet for a little kid, which is sad. And it's it? not like by taking the bullet for that little kid that it's going to change anything because this is going to happen again next year, and there could be another yeah. little kid. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. you get beat down after enough. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. Maybe. And now th- and think about, I mean, 
they always say they talk about how the the reaping is somewhat engineered. It's not always random. Say someone had volunteered for Rue, that's not saying that they wouldn't have picked Rue next year. You know, I mean, because they very well right. could have and might have. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and Cat would do it for Prime, and that's the entire reason Katniss even goes to the re- to the Hunger Games. I mean, I would. I mean, I wonder what would it like like if you can imagine an AU where you know nothing happened, whether like they saw like. Because Prim, does Prim still have more reapings to go? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And every year... You have to win to not have to go back. Supposedly. Yeah. So we didn't really talk about... You don't have to go back. You don't win so that your sister doesn't have to go back. Right. Being inside the arena... And, and and it kind of dovetails into what, you know, one of my favorite moments in the entire series was, you know, the night before the games, Katniss and Peta up on the roof. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you know, I, I, I want to be me in there. I don't want to be changed by this. And I think there's a lesson for a lot of people, for people in general, in that statement. You know, here's this kid who's facing pretty much insurmountable odds. He is fairly confident. Even his mother thinks that he's about to die. Oh, that is so oh, horrible. You know, that was, yeah, that, that was, was horrible. We have a winner this year. Awful. She means you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty awful. But, you know, here's this kid who he he knows that he's pretty much about to die, but he wants to be, he wanted to change him into something that he's not. You know, he wants to stay true on his own terms. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's a very respectable thing, you know. He, he doesn't want to be a career or, you know, he doesn't want to really be a career. He wants to be himself and he wants to go out protecting the girl that he loves. Right. And I, I, I will say there were a couple of times in this entire series that I just wanted to smack Katniss in the head <laughs> and <laughs> be like, sweetheart, <laughs> he's talking about you. <laughs> You know, she doesn't get, she, she, the whole time she thinks she's playing a game and it's like, no, 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 yes. this is all real for him, Katniss. I, yeah. I, you know, but, but I could still, like, at the end of the story, I hated the last scene in, on the train when she broke his heart that yes. it was all a game for her. I hated the, but I could still, I still liked her because I liked Katniss and I could see where she's coming from because... For her, she just didn't feel that way, and you just can't make yourself, mm-hmm. even yeah. though she did realize that, you know, that she was slowly falling for him, too. But it, yeah. it was just, I, I thought the, the romantic angle of it all was well done, because I didn't hate any of them, you know? It was just, no. But I no. really was so, it, it was, was like, oh, great, no, don't do that to him. Yeah. It was a great love triangle in that you could tell it wasn't just, oh, let's throw this person in here for suspense purposes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I mean, Pia and Gail each had something that they brought out in Katniss, and each of them was plausibly, a, you know, a, a good match for Katniss, which is what I liked. Is that right. It, it wasn't, this is the, the, the good person, this is the bad person. I think it worked out well. The one thing I do love about Pia's character in, in the perspective of the games is that he plays the games, like, politically, like, you know, for the cameras, plays it better than anyone. Like, the, mm-hmm. mo- like, yes. the, like the moment in Catching Fire, and he's like, 
like, should I tell him about the baby? <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> oh my god! But like, you know, like, moments like that where it's like your eyes bug out of your head. He, 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 can, he manipulates it so, so perfectly, but also at the same time, he's completely untouched by it. Like, for the Babylon 5 fans out there, he's the veer of the games. Like, nothing you know, taints him. And, and, and it's, whereas I think it does all the other characters. Um, I, I think that's absolutely just such a great thing about his character. I love that in the first two stories. Yeah. yeah. And he's just so sweet. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that we have Katniss in the games because she loves her sister and wants to protect her sister. And then we have Peta, who didn't have a choice. His name was drawn, but he is now in this because he loves her. And he's going to do everything yeah. he can to make sure that she survives. And she's pretty yeah, much thinking like just the, the opposite. I like the comment she made that Peta himself had two older brothers, but neither of them volunteered to go in his place. Mm -hmm. Right. So here's the question. Would Peta have volunteered for them? He Maybe because Katniss was first. You yeah. know, they did girl. They do girls first, so you have Katniss no, no, already no, up there. No, I think there. he's saying. Yes. If would, the... would Peta have volunteered for his brothers? No, I know that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if if Kat, because Katniss was already standing up on the, oh, on the saying, stage. If you imagine that Peta's brother was name was was drawn, then would Peta have volunteered? Maybe. Go, yeah, yeah. Well, she's I saying he would have volunteered, volunteered for Katniss. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying I'm saying he would have gone in to say, say pretend we're writing an AU story and then so you have Katniss up there because she has volunteered for Prim and then they draw the boy's name and it's one of Peta's brothers. He would have gone for Katniss anyway regardless of the fact that... We yeah, would he have gone in with Katniss to protect her in the arena? Anyway. Even though he didn't have to go at all. What I'm kind of getting at here was you know, obviously, if 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 Rue was in District Twelve for whatever reason, and Rue was up there, would he have volunteered to say, "Well, he can't because Rue well, you can't have a boy taking girls." I, I, what I'm trying to say is, I think Pete is the type of guy that maybe would have like, if there was, you know, like the little blind, one-armed, little cute, little Colin Creevy like kid up there. I think Peter would have taken a spot because I think Pete is just a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> You just really, really, really want other people to just volunteer. For I do. I'll do. I'll go. Well, actually, Ryan, I've read. There's. I um. How many fanfics have you read? You read. When did you read the story? My God. The premise is if they had let Rue win, that they had let they let Rue and Thrash win. Hmm. Hmm. So you have like Peta and Katniss both agreeing to like let themselves die. You've read really and, all okay. of the fanfics, haven't you? What? I no, I haven't. I, I mean, that's. I haven't I, read that I, many, actually. Katniss allowing herself to die. That's the whole thing. She's she's a natural born survivor. So she's. No, but she I, expects I, I, to die. She's the Harry Potter. You no, know, honestly, honestly, a lot of them. the um the first time I I I haven't, ever, I haven't actually read a lot of fanfic from this fandom, mostly just because it all looks so terrible. But a theme that I saw recurring, you know, a lot of people were, you know, oh, we think Katniss and Gale should be together. But Peta is such an immensely likable character that I saw situations where they would put it, put it to where Katniss couldn't have volunteered. So Prim went into the arena with Peta so that Prim could be with Peta and then Katniss could be with Gale. And that way everybody got a happy ending. That was a happy ending. That's, that's random. Oh, that's gag worthy. She's 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. But uh, I don't think I like that one. 
love very much. But well, know who Pete? Know why you love Pete? Pete is the guy that his girlfriend dumps him. All right, and then says it would really make my day if you if you chauffeured me around with my new boyfriend, and Pete would do it because he loves you so much. Like Pete, like he he gets the shaft and doesn't complain. I feel like he does get yeah. the shaft. He's a good guy. He is. But I, I think as the, the course of the story went on, Katniss moved further and further away from Gale. Mm-hmm. Like, like I never, at the beginning of the story when I first read the two names, but there was nothing, I don't know, they had been together for so long. If there was going to be any kind of romantic feelings there, she would have felt something. But, but even with the first things, with, with the first kiss with Peta. And it made her want another one, but it, it never would even have occurred to her. So I, I just didn't get that real connection with Gail that way. I get the sense that Gail was her past. Gail was just like her, but Gail never left to go to the arena. So Gail was pretty much, when she returned, Gail was like the, the former life that she had before, and it was something she wanted to escape back into. It's almost like Gail Peter never grew up. her, where I think she, she, she's a hard character, and I think Gail makes her, would have made more hard, but but Peter softens her a bit. Which is, I think, the point. And when you even look at it too, I think that Gail was simple. She knew who Gail was. She knew what Gail wanted. She knew what would happen with Gail. Gail was easy. Peter, she, you know, one minute he's betraying me. One minute he's trying to save me. The next minute I must kill him. The next minute I must save him because if I save him. They will give Prim, you know, TV dinners. It's like with with she didn't know what the hell was going on with Peta all through the first book into the second. I mean, Peta's a constant question mark, and I think Gail was absolutely not. I mean, I, I liked what it said in the book. You know, she didn't need any more fire in her life. Yeah, <laughs> Katniss, the girl on fire. <laughs> yeah, you know, she had all of the heat and the anger and you know that kind of stuff, and and being with Gail wouldn't have changed that at all it, it would have just you know she just would have kept on with her with the anger and with the you know and gail was pretty much a rebel i mean you don't know much about him but you know that he's during their hunting forays he's talked about the capital he's talked about rebelling he's talked about okay what can we do and even yeah. on this morning before they go to the reaping he's like all right you and me let's just go we'll disappear yeah. they'll never find us Let's just go. So he kind of has that rebel and, like you said, that fire. And he's yeah. going to be stirring up trouble. And I think Peta is more, he's going to be the giving one. He's the one that is going to be the comforting one. And so that's, you know, the, the two sides is the, the rebel, the one that's going to stir everything up, or the one that's going to be comforting and kind of there for you and kind of thing. I kind of think that right. if Peta never existed and Gale was the other tribute and it was Katniss and Gale in the games, I think if there was anything that would spark a relationship between them, it would be, you know, that change, that plot point and that change of the dynamic and them having to rely on each other, you know, more in the arena. And I think. That- oh, yeah, because they would go in allied and I wonder mm-hmm. then if they would even have the rule change because I think they would have thought that would have made more compelling yeah, television have, they, if Katniss and Gail to kill each other. Love angle to begin with, and I think Gail would have killed her. Do you really think mm-hmm. so? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Katniss would have been able to handle it. That's actually interesting because I would have thought that Gail wouldn't have 
killed her, but then the more... I wonder. I am wondering if Gail... I was actually thinking Gail would have made Katniss kill him. She, I mean, she wouldn't have done it on her own, but I think he would have tried to talk her into killing him. That's interesting. I never would have thought that, but that now that I'm thinking of it, maybe, because, yeah, it was that unconditional love that Peter had and the fact that he was just a, sa- a self-sacrificing guy that, you know, he would have thought it. But the other thing I was thinking, too, was picture Hamish and picture Gail. Could you imagine, like, a train ride with Hamish and Gail in a compartment together? <laughs> like, like, it would be like, I think it would be a lot of like scratching in themselves and that's it i mean they're not exactly you know what i mean like could you imagine it would have been the most boring book in the history it's like oh hostage situation but i mean it's, that would have been the entire thing it, it, it there was no substance i think to that relationship so it would have been kind of boring maybe that's why they had people and did anybody kind of think about we know that Hamish is an alcoholic but yeah. you know he's to think about his mentorship okay he's gone into these games he's won so now he's got a house and he's got all the food that he wants and all of that but now every year he has to go with two children from his district that he probably knows in some capacity and, and he has to go and watch them die and watch them die yeah and well, he, he has to do that every year about that um at the end after the games are over when she's thinking about Hamish and she starts thinking about the way it's affected him that way. Mm-hmm. He's the lucky one. He lived. That was his reward. You're, yes. you're either going to get like stabbed through the heart by another kid, or you're going to live the rest of your life watching kids that you know and care about die, and they're relying on you to save them, and you won't be able to. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's, you know, or or they're going to make it through, and then they have to do what he's doing. Right. So which is worse? You know, I could almost see him not trying to save them. Well, that's why he stopped caring. I mean, you can tell he stopped caring because 12 didn't have any, you know, good potential winners well, until Cadmus. I mean, so he clearly stopped caring because he had nothing to work with. Mm-hmm. Well, so the, the writing is so clear, too, because in the beginning, he's a joke and he's comic relief. And you're kidding me. This is the, this is the guy who's going to save me. And after a while, you realize it and you're like, wow, that's actually incredibly accurate. That's what he would be like. And it's no longer funny. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I, I, the presentation's great, too. Yeah, I like the connection that the two of them have, um, Katniss and, and Hamish, because Katniss. I love is, how he calls her sweetheart. <laughs> he just <laughs> so bitingly. I just, I, I hope that the actor. I, I really hope that he gets that right. The sweetheart. I can just hear it. You know. I, I hope that yeah. comes off in the right way. Like I feel like I re- when I read like books, I very rarely like you know make up voices for the characters, but Hamish in my head has a voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hamish in my head, I'm sorry, continues to be Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but Hamish is Craig T. Nelson. Hang on, I have... I'm fascinated by your casting. Every book you read, you have to tell me who's playing each part, because I'm just fascinated by how random you are. I have a clip, I have a quote here. This is from Mockingjay, and this is Pete, this is uh, Hamish to me. Hang on, and I... By the way, I like the story so much, and I read it so much, I now need reading glasses. <laughs> Because I read too much. So I have my glasses on here. That is your earpiece. I will give you exactly one more chance to wear it. If you remove it from your ear again, I'll have you fitted with this. He holds up some sort of metal headgear that I instantly name the head shackle. 
It's an alternative audio unit that locks around your skull and under your chin until it's open with a key. And I'll have the only key. If for some reason you're clever enough to disable it, Hamish dumps the head shackle on the bed and whips out a tiny silver chip. I'll authorize them to surgically implant this transmitter into your ear so I may speak to you 24 hours a day. That, to me, is Hamish right there. I think Hamish right. is my favorite character. Like, and if this, and he's, like, dumping the crab over, I have a, I plan to... Like, like, it has to be, they have to do it right, they have to do him right. Yeah, I mean, I love his yeah, relationship. I, have, I love Hamish, I hope they get him right. What's his relationship with Katniss, too, and then, like, at the end of um, Catching Fire, like, the line with her and her nails. Several things happened all at once. Yeah. Rips Hamish's face off. I mean... Well, and, you know, at the beginning, he's sarcastic, and and some of it's kind of him goading her, but he doesn't like her very much. And towards the end, he really does like her. He's Well, he's not, he doesn't get attached to the tributes because they die. Right. And then, But I do, I like their connection. She's in the, the arena, and she's like, I need water. I'm going to die. Hamish, give me water. And nothing happens, and she's like, crap. He's drunk somewhere. And then she's like, well, no, wait a minute. He knows that I can find water. So he's withholding it from me so that because, I'm because he knows it's the, it's close. So I'm going to have to keep looking. I'm going to have to keep looking. And she reads his thought process. And, you know, it's almost like they're communicating, even though they're not. And he doesn't have that with PETA. He's yeah. like totally out of the loop. He's got no clue what's going on. And you wonder how much of it's really in her head and how much of it's really true, but it works yeah, out. I think it's true. I think they just, they, they, they're very much alike. They're very similar people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they, they can just read each other that way. Because I think that Katniss could very much distance herself from people not getting emotionally involved, detaching herself. And that's what Hamish does. Mm-hmm. You almost hate to see the missing moment there where, is it turns out Cat figures the whole thing out, and it's that he knows I'm near the water, and he won't give it to me. When in actuality, hey, Mitch is probably drunk in the other room. And <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing too is, which you get into. In well, there are other moments like that where he where he doesn't send something because he wants her to do something, and then she, when she does, she figures that out and she does it, and then he sends her something. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I just think at that moment that'd be awful if he was actually drunk in the other room. Rene, what, what the hell are you doing? I think someone. What the hell are you doing? Stop mowing the lawn. What? <laughs> there was a lot what of background you noise. Oh, oh. You know, like I was rolling around on the floor. <laughs> Why? You can hear that? <laughs> Rene, you can't hear a damn thing I'm saying. <laughs> you said something? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. But, um, yeah, well, the thing, too, just occurring to me is how Hamish is trying so hard to save Katniss, and, and that's his objective, and just how much Peter would get the shaft from that deal, and how Peter was okay with that. Mm-hmm. Back in I think it was game. his idea. It was, yeah, that was exactly it. That was the game, and then how she tries. Yeah, like you can't really picture Peter as the Mockingjay. No. Yeah. No, that's actually. Yeah, I mean, which one of them is the? She has the more dramatic story. I'm doing this to save my sister, and Peter's like, I'm doing this to learn how to bake different types of bread. <laughs> like he doesn't really have that. That um, that story going. And what about the uh, the different creatures that have come that have evolved through this? So we've got the mocking jay. I could. We've not got keep... the tracker jackers. Yeah, we get the tracker jackers. We get the mocking jay. We get the jabber jay. 
I, I I think it's fabulous, although I forgot all of their names as I was going through them. This is like Game of Thrones for me. I was forgetting uh, which ones. The Wolf Marks were the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, was, that was that was that whole death scene. Man, that was horrifying. Just even, like like you know, I'll turn away from the TV anything, but this was like from a book. I'm finding myself cringing away. But the only way to read, you know, it doesn't keep going. Even though you cringe, you have to go back and keep reading. It was like that was a horrible scene. I misread or I misinterpreted the end of Hunger Games. I thought somehow they like. <laughs> No, I thought they like somehow reanimated the the dead tributes. Well, know. they gave you That's that impression. What she thought well, well, because well, I'm had... very gullible because I thought it too. So I thought. Wait, like, did you think? Did you think they like somehow like merged them with the wolves, or did you think it was like them? I thought no. I thought it was that they somehow like twistedly reanimated the dead tributes and tur- like almost like you know in Star Trek you're assimilated now you're a Borg and it's you but it's not you you're dead they've turned you into something. I thought they. So you thought it was their their bodies like reanimated. I thought it was actually their bodies. Like zombies. Yes, I thought they yeah, were kind of like. Zombies. I thought and that was just another way of of you know if you die you become one of these another way of of disrupting the tributes. Not that they like took their eyes and made them look, these wolves look like them to scare the shit out of Katniss. Like, I thought it was actually them. Well, that's what she thought, and that was what you were supposed to think. Well, I don't well know, you weren't supposed to think they were zombies. Well, no, then later on, they're referred to as not being zombies. I'm like, when did you figure that out? Because no one told me. <laughs> so that was a little bit of confusion I had there. Yeah. The, the creatures that they came up with, I mean, we'll t- talk about more of those for the next book, but it's just amazing. And I just, the different, well, just horrible the whole, things. Yeah, the genetic engineering splice of it, I thought was very interesting, and in how they were able to do that. I, yeah, I definitely like. Like that. again, it's this technology thing. Like they have this technology. They have the technology to create the Jabberjay and the all but, these animals. But you don't get the sense they have like Elmer's glue. It's like there's some things they haven't been able to crack the code for, but they have all of this other stuff, which I think is fascinating. Well, yeah, and you have to think. Okay, on one hand, Jabberjays. You could see, you know, I can see it on the drawing board and them going, oh, this is a great idea. Look, we're going to make this J and it's going to go and it's going to fly over to these other people. It's going to listen to what they say. No one in the room is like, what if they lie? (laughs) Yeah, and it's going to come back and it's going to tell us everything. And all of a sudden, you know, the other guys went, oh, look, these J's are saying everything we say. That's how they're, you know, stopping us. Let's tell them stories. And nobody ever thought that that might happen. They're not very bright. Well, I think that that's the arrogance of the capital at that point. Yeah. But it just doesn't occur to them that they'd be smart enough to do that. And the tracker jackers? I mean, oh, man. I know what it's like to get stung by a hornet or a wasp and just... I mean, this is so much worse. It's got this the venom. It swells up what they say. It's the size of an orange these mm-hmm. bites get to be. And they make you hallucinate. And, they, you know. Well, you know what it is? You know how sometimes <sighs> I always joke in fan fiction, they put in lines saying, like, Harry stared for a full minute at Jimmy before he was able to, you know, respond. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Count to 60. Someone would be like, dude, you're right. <laughs> like, stop staring at me. It's, it's several minutes later. Several minutes later. <laughs> Harry and Jimmy yeah. sat down. Like, 
I think the phrase, you know, the size of a grapefruit is, you know, overused. But seriously, picture, look at your hands. Picture, mm-hmm. a, 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 like, or behind your knee. Now, it's, hold an orange behind your knee. It's actually quite large. Yeah. So I think it, it, when you actually think about it, you're like, holy shit, that's from a bee sting. So. Yeah. And, you know, multiple ones. Mm. Yeah, that's a good the cut. Well, then it's even, too, it's Peter's like, what are you still doing here? Because she's trying to get the, um. Just trying to get the bow and arrows. Mm-hmm. From, um, and that was kind of really that, gross. That was creepy. Yeah, that was yeah. very, very gross imagery there. Well, Which trip like was she that? Was it was trying to, Sorry, but she trying to do it before they... Right. they she had to do it or else when that hovercraft took Glimmer's body away, Glimmer. there would go the only bow and arrow in the arena. Mm-hmm. And she's having the... Um, and at the point, I wasn't sure if she was hallucinating or if the um, Jabberjacker J. Uh, <laughs> I just made up a new thing. <laughs> the Jabberjacker J. There's so many J's. You wonder why I just call her cat. I'm like, let me shorten everything. But you don't know if that is just a result of, you know, does it cause your body to explode and that's what's happening to Glimmer? Or is that just the fact that she's. Or is it just, yeah. And I like that too, because then I was able to go back and read over again knowing it was a hallucination that just made that much more sense to me but um, mm-hmm. I thought that was that was absolutely um, gross as all hell and you really have to appreciate PETA because he just got stabbed by two of these things he's got grapefruits growing out of his arm and he's still trying to protect Katniss which I think is mm-hmm. and she's like why is he doing and, and this how awful for, for must have it been like I, I was thinking like PETA was in the mud there for several days you know, right. basically waiting to die. How miserable was that whole experience must have been on him? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It's, it's poor Peta. He had to kill the idiot tribute who lit the fire under Katniss. Then he's going to go around with, with the careers for a few days. Then he get, then he's waiting under the tree for Katniss, knowing that she's going to die, and he's trying to protect her. Then he gets... You know, bit by these things, and then. Do you think he really killed that tribute, or do you think he just waited with her until she died on her own? How long was? Did he stare at her for several minutes, or was? Like, <laughs> um, unless, it seemed pretty quick. I think he put her. Out I of think her misery. he would put her out of her misery. Unless he put her out of her misery, or he, I could get away with him whispering "I'm sorry" or or something to her. Um, mm-hmm. But. Because does he kill? I'm I'm just trying to think here. Does he actually kill anyone? Anyone else other than her? Fox um, face, but that's unintentionally because he doesn't realize yeah. that the berries are poisoned either. Yeah, but he, that's the only death we see with Peter. That's why it always made me wonder. It's like I wonder if he really did kill that girl. Because he, yeah, second he, book, he does kill someone, mm-hmm. like directly or like yeah. So he like just stabs someone. Um, he kills Brutus. Does it say how? No. Because I'm picturing, because, okay, you're PETA, you make cookies for a living, you're on the train heading to the arena, and you must be thinking, I need to, at the very least, he's thinking, I need to protect Katniss. So he's thinking, I need to stay alive long enough to protect her. So mm-hmm. I can't die here for refusing to kill this girl. I'm wondering if he just closes his eyes and does it to stay in the game. But that might be what he does. I mean, the thing with her is she hunts. She's used to killing things. It's not like Prim, the healer, who, like, like, they'll shoot a rabbit, and she'll be like, hold on, I think I can save it. I mean, (laughs) you you wonder if... Sue, that would be you, by the way. Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Sue can't go hunting. Just putting Band-Aids on the deer. But um, I'm wondering if, like, on some level, that... Because he's not... Pete is not a hunter. I, I, I get the sense he uses the deli at the supermarket. I'm wondering what... 
how that would even be for him, you know, killing anything. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Would have affected him. I definitely think that that would have affected mm-hmm. him. But then you don't know what what he went through, you know, for the days on end after lying in there just waiting to die himself. Melinda, do uh, I, I, wish, I wish we got some of that story too. Melinda, do you know anyone who could possibly write that missing scene? <laughs> My writing juices don't work these days. Oh, we'll work on that. Uh, well, you know, this is something new you can try. I got the, uh, I don't know, the, is it the original Rambo where he's like standing against a mud uh, cliff or something like that and he's all covered in mud and, and there's somebody like walks right by him and then all of a sudden he opens his eyes. That was the impression I got about PETA. That is that, that's uh, exactly what I was yeah, picturing exactly too. Right. And you know, that I mean, that made me jump as I recall well, a pitch- long time ago, but I'm- you know, just that, wow, there's somebody there. I'm just picturing over the story, too, all of, like, the difficult moments, like Peta having to kill that tribute. I'm picturing what would have happened if Rue lived until the end. Like, Oh, I know. I was thinking of that when what, they joined up. It was like, what would no, they have, this what is would not they have, good. No, they, you, you should read the story. <laughs> this, this, You're not serious, because that is what the story is. The story is that Rue didn't die then. So they, yeah. there's, like, Peta and Katniss and Rue hanging out together, and then Peta and Katniss, when they change the rule, Peta and Katniss are like, we're going to go get Thresh, and then we're going to die, and you're going to win. Yeah, it's like, how do you... It's, that would just be so terrible. It's like, what would they have done in that particular case? What would... Because Katniss never would have killed Rue, because Rue is prim. Mm-hmm. Right. She couldn't have done it. She would have given herself. Yeah, it's tough. It's, thinking of all the different and it's hard to because you know it's not just something where the characters could have made up their minds because there's you know however many thousands of people watching this and they're gonna wait a minute was there a reference to millions of people are watching this i don't remember i don't know i'm just trying to think of how large the population is i wonder i, I think i wonder at one point she was referencing the fact that there were millions of people out there search for millions in your book i'm doing it right now <laughs> well and you know they the rebellion starts almost immediately. I mean, you don't know that, as but as you're going along. So when Prim's name gets called and Katniss says, okay, I'm going to do it, there's no applause. It's dead silent. There's no... Because you get the impression that she is a very popular person in this district. She's the one that's bringing in extra meat. She's the one that's bringing in extra... Yeah, she's got the squirrels. Right. And so that she's leaving pretty much to go to her death. No one's happy about this. And I mean, and I know that they're not happy about anybody going, but I think there's an extra because little Katniss bit about it. Because, because, yeah, because Katniss is visible. She's someone that everyone knows. And most of them, I think, like. And so don't they do some sort of three-fingered symbol or something like that? Yeah. And, and they don't Absolutely, applaud. Yeah. Doesn't that sound so horrible, like the three-finger salute? <laughs> Just- <laughs> the same thing that, that Katniss does when, when Rue dies, as, as they're right. taking Rue's body away. And, you know, the whole, I like her in the arena because so much of the time she's thinking, okay, I know the camera's on me, so I can't show any emotion. I know the camera's looking for me, so I need to, I'm up in the tree and they can't really see me, but I'm going to get to a place where they can see me and I'm going to give them some sort of emotion before I hide back into myself that nobody's going to be able to see. And then when she, when Rue dies and she's like, okay, I'm going to sing the song and I'm going to do the flowers and I'm going to do all this stuff. And they may not show it on TV because they're not going to like that I'm doing this, but they're going to have to show something because people are going to want to know what happened. I and wonder if already, they did. Do you think they right. did? I 
No, I think I what, think it was all I think it was all televised. Well, no, because the they thing. they knew about yeah, they knew. You no, know, Eleven knew about the flowers. Yeah. But wasn't there a reference later that they didn't show the part with the flowers, and maybe they got her body back? And they didn't re-show it in the um, at the at the end when they do all the recaps. They didn't re-show that part. But it went live in the beginning. I, yeah, I think it went live. The Capitals doesn't so, have the seven-second delay that we yeah, have. Yeah, because, uh, because when she started it, they didn't know what it was she was going to do. Yeah, right. Since the but I think they would have cut away. I think they oh, would have yeah, gone, oh, look, good. let's go see what Peter's doing. But I think it was too late. I think I think they knew. I mean, I think everyone knew, and I think that's you know that fermented the rebellion in eleven. Yes, because eleven goes as soon as they leave in Catching Fire on the victory tour. Mm -hmm. That's when eleven goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they killed Flannel Man. And you know how wonderful was it that they the district had gotten together and gotten bread for Rue, Mm -hmm. and they sent it to Katniss. Right. I mean, it was really their way of saying thank you to her. Thank you to her. Feel bad for Thresh at that point, where he's still their tribute too, and instead of sending it to him, they sent it to her. So I thought, you oh know, my gosh, like Peter's mother. It's Peter's <laughs> mother's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we don't know that he didn't get one too. Oh man! Well, I love that moment later on. <laughs> such a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I, don't you love the moment later on where um, Fo- is it Foxface is about to cut Katniss's lips off? She's about to murder her, and she makes the comment about how they had killed Rue. Am I remembering this correctly? And Thresh goes ballistic when he hears that. Yeah, but that oh, was in Foxface's mm-hmm. glimmer. But but yeah, exactly. You're right. Was it glimmer? Or was it Foxface? Was it glimmer? Glimmer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was Foxface. I kept confusing Glimmer with Foxface. I don't know. No, Glimmer. No, wait. It wasn't no. Glimmer. No, Glimmer dies it was, from the Jack. It was Clove. Clove. No, you're right. Yes, yeah, Clove. It was Clove. Oh, Clove. That's it. I don't have the book anymore. So. Wait, Thresh was from Eleven. Mm hmm. Yeah. Why did Clove get Clove upset? Was- Who killed Rue? I thought it was the boy from. One. One. It was it one. Wasn't one. Clove the girl from One? No, she was from Two. No, she and she she and Two. Cato were was- the. The other pair, was, the, the, the potential pair. Yeah, she was tormenting Katniss. You know, we're going to kill you just like we did to the little girl. Mm-hmm. And then it was um, during that feast where Katniss had gone to get the medicine for Peta. And then yeah, they, right. they all had to be there because they all had to get something that they needed. And then Thresh is the one who overhears that we killed the girl from Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Was, and then he goes then, like, nuts because he's from Eleven, too. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense to me. Okay. I think we've scratched the surface of like half of the first chapter of Hunger Games. <laughs> so there's a lot more <laughs> we want to talk about. So we're definitely going to do more of these. So if you have any comments on these, definitely visit the Puffwa Exchange uh, forum at potterfixforum.com and let us know what you think and what you want to to talk about next because we're definitely not through with Hunger Games. And we have to talk about Effie Trinket the next time too. We never even mentioned Effie. We, we didn't even mention Effie. No. Yeah, I we lo- gotta come back and talk about her. Rena had it perfect. Rena um, thought the casting should be Kristen um, Chenoweth. Oh, mm-hmm. that would be great. Wouldn't be perfect? That would be that really would good. Early who I pictured in my head when I read the book was Kristen Chenoweth. Not that I don't think Elizabeth Banks is going to do a great job, but I just, I really thought it should have been, it should have been Kristen was there any Was there any point in the story where Effie, you know, had the opportunity to sing a number? <laughs> <laughs> no, not that I'm aware of. Oh, yeah. It's a big, big, big day could become a song. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> What's her big line, Effie's line, that they mock later on? 
May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> She's a Southern belle. Yeah, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to include an Effie discussion next time. We definitely will. Yeah. With that, we will see you guys back next time. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.